This is episode 787 for June 2023, and you're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas. Before we get to this awesome interview with Jim Salakrop, I want to remind you about patreon.com slash crawlspace. You can get behind-the-scenes info, exclusive Discord servers, exclusive podcasts, and also Crawlspace merch. So sign up today. Help support the site. Patreon.com slash crawlspace. Spacers, sorry for the delay. We've got uh, a special guest on the line. We just had to work out a few tech uh, problems, but uh, Jim Salacrops here. Welcome, Jim. How are you, sir? Hey, it was all my fault. He's trying to cover for me, but uh, thank <laughs> you, Brad. <laughs> it's it's all good, man. I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show. Um, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So um, you had a big hand in and popularizing Spider-Man to the masses. Yes, like a like a giant. Uh, Jack Kirby hand coming at you. <laughs> so I, uh, to give a little background on Jim, he's uh, an editor. He's a writer. He was the editor of Amazing Spider-Man during the late '80s, during the Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson run on the title. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But I got to start the interview with something that ha- when I saw it on the internet on dial-up back in the '90s. I said to myself, what's this thing called eBay and how do I purchase the Spider-Man and Hulk toilet paper? There you, you go. Are, you are the writer of this. Tell me about this project. The writer first. of record. Uh, <laughs> or the writer of record. You've got yeah. to talk to me about this. How did this project come about, sir? Well, way back <laughs> when, uh, there was uh, there's this fancy schmancy department store in New York City called uh, Bloomingdale's. Okay. And a particular company thought it would be uh, fun to sell uh, sort of a novelty uh, toilet paper. The first <laughs> being uh, the New York Times crossword puzzle. I think uh, that was probably really in sync with the uh, Bloomingdale's uh, audience or, or market or customers. And, uh, and it did very, very well. And they thought... What could we possibly do that that could uh, be as successful as a New York Times crossword puzzle toilet paper? And the, the answer must have seemed incredibly obvious. Obviously, the world was waiting for uh, a, a Spider-Man and Hulk uh, toilet paper. Uh, so know, people the- wanted to do a crossword on the can, huh? <laughs> I, I I I never actually saw the I haven't either. You know the the New York Times uh, toilet paper uh, puzzle yeah. crossword puzzle, but uh, it's it's possible. I, I imagine it may have actually been a crossword bu- or multiple crossword puzzles that people could have done. Yeah, uh, with uh, the Spider Man and Hulk uh, Marvel toilet paper. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a, a complete little story. One of the fun things in, in writing the script for it is yeah. instead of writing page one, page two, etc., on top of the script pages, we got to write sheet one, <laughs> sheet two. And uh, over the years, uh, my attitude, whenever people ask me about it, uh, I said, well, 
if you didn't like that particular story, you certainly knew what you could do with it. <laughs> and and you're probably aware, uh, Marvel Unlimited just on April Fool's Day put it up on the website. Uh, another spider. Hey, 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 I don't get no respect. No respect. I tell <laughs> You're the danger field of writers, huh? <laughs> well, I have a long, uh, long uh, history of uh, various things I've done, uh, being uh, retconned out of existence. Uh, uh, I think there was a time where Spider-Man uh, and Peter Parker, Mary Jane, were married, for example. But yeah. I, uh, I don't think that's the case anymore. And <laughs> well, some fans wish it were still the case. Yes. <laughs> well, was it? Uh, oh, well, it was. Uh, Steve Wacker is the one that had his toilet paper scanned, evidently. <laughs> and uh, which is just funny to say. Uh, yes, I've got, it some, is. I've got some pictures of it inside of it. It looks pretty good, and it works for the format. I'm not know if you're familiar with the new Infinity Comics. But they, yeah, we they were are, way, way ahead of our time. You man. were, you were, you were making vertical comics back in the seventies, man. Yeah, this was a very <laughs> finite Infinity comic, but uh, <laughs> the the artwork, by the way, yeah. uh, now that she's, uh, yeah, it says Michael Higgins. He did the lettering. Oh, uh, for some unknown reason, uh, artist uh, Marie Severin. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did not want her name on toilet paper. <laughs> well, I don't know what's wrong with some of these people. She, she was one of my favorite uh, artists. And, yeah. uh, you know, she was a great, uh, she could do the the so-called serious stuff that yep. had people in their underwear uh, all the time. And, uh, and she was a truly brilliant cartoonist. It did yes. really funny stuff. Not Brand Eck was one of my favorite uh, comics uh, she had a great run on the hulk like when it relaunched too yeah yeah i mean uh, i i think i started reading the hulk when she was doing it go back yep. a little bit i think i okay. saw something there what's that go back one more time uh, okay. just, yeah i'm not sure but <laughs> that guy in the foreground might you think be, that's uh, you is that you no not me uh i think uh uh, uh, a very uh, cleaned up version of David Anthony Kraft. Who, oh, okay. Uh, actually did some <laughs> of the, uh, the writing on this. And uh, uh, so he, he deserved the, the late, great uh, David Anthony Kraft. We did this in my uh, studio apartment years ago. Right, uh, right, right there. Building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's not quite Dave, but the glass. It's pretty it, close, huh? It's 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 not un, unlike him, but uh, so so folks, it's not read this. It's it's you're teaming up, and this is the peak Spider-Man's on CBS, and so is Hulk. Yeah, right. This is this is the peak Spider-Man and Hulk period. This is what caught me as a kid. So talk about this story. It's the the leader is the antagonist. I think you could just uh, probably read the whole thing quicker than I could uh, <laughs> explain it. Uh, you know, it's pretty simple. I mean, it, it uh, is. partly, um, you know, you, you uh, just to have a story where, and my cat uh, is interrupting here to, she wants to be on the show. Aww, but, what's your cat's name? Uh, it's not really my ex mother-in-law's cat. It's baby kitty. Baby and, kitty. Love yes. It. And, uh, whenever I'm, uh, talking, uh, online with someone she, or even on the phone she has to get involved 
But back to that thrilling uh, toilet paper. <laughs> and uh, it, it, I think part of, part of why I was chosen, per se, was uh, uh, I, I'd been writing Spidey Super Stories. Yeah. And that a lot, quite often is, uh, you know, uh, simplified Marvel stories, making it easy to understand, you know. Uh, so even though uh, Spider-Man and the Hulk are on TV, yeah. uh, they were, you know, slightly different, in you know, from yeah. their comic book incarnations. So uh, we tried to, you know, just make it, <laughs> uh, you know, feel a little bit more like the comics. Right. Uh, I think uh, Marie got the webs wrong there. And that- oh, she did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The chest is a bit. Yeah. But well, it. it uh, oh, the web's up here. Up here. At the bottom panel, it's correct. Uh, yeah, on his chest, it's like it, it should be going the other way. Uh, you know, uh, 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 Ramita never. He would. Oh, I'm surprised he didn't catch that. Uh, <laughs> because he, it, it, that yeah. looks more like a flower type of like <laughs> petals on him. But when it's yeah. the other way, you know, upside down. Right, uh, it looks more, more web-like. Right, we have a couple of comments already. Hornacek says, uh, "Jim is pro-marriage and he has a cat. He is now my favorite Marvel person." <laughs> <laughs> and Kelly's going to join us on the show next, and she goes, "Me doing makeup to be ready for the show next. How am I supposed to go on after Jim's cat?" <laughs> <laughs> well, she is a pretty cat, and. Uh, we have uh, my daughter has a farm upstate. We have other cats, uh, dogs, and chickens, and you know. But uh, you know, we have so many that they're we're spread out uh, between a farm, uh, two farms, and uh, so sometimes certain uh, animals uh, have to be don't necessarily get along with others. So we have to. So this, I, hey, I just have this one. We're going to have to fix the credits. They got the credits wrong in the digital comic. If this is Marie Severin. I, I guess, I mean, they're sticking with uh, yeah. what it originally yeah. was and that's probably good. Let's, let's, okay. you know, let's uh, respect Marie's wishes and, okay. and let yeah, that just be a, a, a secret to us. Uh, Spider-Man crawl space uh, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, we'll there be, you go. No, but if anyone is really familiar with her art, they, they would have yeah. figured it out. And and Mike awesome. Higgins, uh, I think he's been an editor, a colorist, uh, mm-hmm. uh, probably a writer as well. But I don't think he's he's done artwork. So uh, yeah. Uh, but but that is his lettering, and there, you know, yeah. Marie just uh, <laughs> as I said, uh, you know, I, I guess she didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> toilet paper to be her legacy. I, I love her, I loved her work and the <laughs> opportunity I had to work with her, probably um, uh, one that she was willing to put her name on was uh, an issue of the A team that we did together. And uh, and oh, okay. she even got involved in uh, you know <laughs> plotting the story to the nice. point where I tried to keep it nice and simple, and she made it so complicated. I don't think I could figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> but you well, know, it's, you, you want you want your co-creators to be involved yeah. and have you know be you know 
vested in the project. So she was yeah. great. She did a wonderful job. Talk about writing of the story. Was there any temptation to have Hulk and Spider-Man use the restroom? I mean, <laughs> I mean, what, what, what uh, it, you, later on in an issue yeah. of uh, web of Spider-Man, uh, Beyonder? I, I, is that what you're going with? <laughs> no, no, no. There was a, okay. there was an issue. I can't remember which one. They'll give you something yeah. to look up. Uh, right. Where the, the I had suggested the plot be because uh, you know inspired by Stan always talking about how human Peter Parker is. That what mm -hmm. if you know during uh, a fight scene uh, or a battle that Spider Man's in, he really has to go to the bathroom and uh, <laughs> how does he deal with that? And yeah. I think uh, Jerry Conway did the script, and uh, right. I think he made it a little bit more. I, I He probably thought that was too silly and <laughs> probably gave him some kind of stomach virus or something yeah. to, to make it uh, more yeah. believable. But, you know, I again, I, I don't like to force ideas upon people, you know, yeah. uh, whatever Jerry felt more comfortable with. But I think... Uh, yeah. You know that that would be my uh, answer to. <laughs> to how, how many how many rolls do you have in your collection? Did they did they send you out some samples? I mean, <laughs> I got one, and over the years you know, I okay. picked up a few. Same. And whenever I see it anywhere, uh, yeah, you know, you it. Got, yours is in uh, pristine uh, condition. Well, uh, I got it off eBay. Here, I'll open it up. It it. Uh, oh yeah, when you open it up, you got my two favorite heroes right there. There you go. And. Uh, the image I used for uh, to advertise the show, uh, <laughs> you you were autographing it. So do people come up with this and autograph? Uh, well, yeah, I'll it's I'll do anything. So brittle, for ten bucks. Now usually it's <laughs> <a ton. laughs> well. I was at a for years and years and years and years. I was uh, doing autographs for free, like most people in comics. Uh, and then I think what yeah. happened is. Um, you know, people would take those comics, uh, maybe comics dealers, I don't know, and selling them for outrageous prices on uh, on eBay. So um, I was at a this convention. This is like flipping houses. It's flipping autographs, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. So I was at a convention with um, Danny Fingeroth and Annie Nascenti on either side of me. And uh, I was still doing free ones. And they sort of chastised me. Uh, uh, Jim, you know, you're, you're making it hard on us. We're, you know, uh, you're giving it away. <laughs> so I, I started out, uh, you know, at, at some, you know, extremely low price and, uh, it sort of, uh, edged its way up to $10 recently. But Why if, not? uh, if you go to, um, uh, CGC's, uh, you know, private signing, uh, it, it's, uh, I think I did it last year with them and they were charging, uh, 60 bucks. Now oh, wow. it's, uh, now it's this year where I'm doing another one. It's, uh, has, 70 has bucks. CG, has CGC ever done one of these? That'll be tricky. Cause what they do I know, yeah. is they slab these things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think they have a, a plastic case <laughs> I don't know. To, I don't to put that in. Um, um as but as a writer, as a writer, not to use the pun, I can't resist. You take crap for writing the story, of course, and uh, it's you well <laughs> and uh, I don't mind it at all. I uh, yeah. I I love uh, 
you know, I, one of the many things that appealed to me about Marvel was, um, you know, uh, it, it's it's humor. And yeah. uh, I think Stan, uh, I loved Stan Lee's over-the-top uh, approach to Marvel. I mean, yeah. some, some uh, folks, uh, maybe slightly humor-challenged, didn't get he was he was kidding a lot at a time you know tongue in cheek oh my goodness this this stan lee fellow is so arrogant and he's constantly bragging and and you know i think uh he he's just you know that was his sense of humor he had this you know he whatever little thing was going to happen at marvel he'd, he'd he'd go over the top say prepare yourself for the cultural event of the century you know, <laughs> marvel is finally presenting toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna wipe their ass with the competition <laughs> well there you go i mean yeah, it's, I love it's, it. it's just endless and uh yeah. Yeah, it was just really a novelty item i i don't see uh it's uh, it's it, spider-man's on everything and this is just one of my all-time favorite spider collectibles of all time and I, 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 when I found out that you wrote it, I just had to ask you about it. And well, uh, how could I possibly have said no? To, I mean, <laughs> way back when, when th- that was coming out, also there yeah. were a, a lot of. Uh, this was uh, where the printing had gotten so awful. Uh, they remember uh, Flexo printing. It, it, it's like Marvel had gone from. It was hmm. pre the digital age. They yes. from metal plates. They wanted to save money, and so uh, they went to flexo flexography printing, right. and they used plastic plates. And the problem is they would tend to melt, you know, uh, uh, and the lines would either drop out or get all squiggly, and it was really you know, and and, and all of that was really to defend uh, Marvel and even DC is they wanted to keep the price point as low as possible on the comics so yeah. they could be uh, available to to everyone at, at a very affordable right. price, you know, like, uh, and, and, you know, that's something, you know, I, I, I miss in a lot of ways. You know, I, I buy a lot of comics myself still every week and, Right. And they ain't cheap. <laughs> four, four bucks a pop, man. But so, but back then, yeah. to get to my point, actually, was, yeah. uh, you know, the artists who were, you know, really knocking themselves out, trying to do the best work they possibly could, when they would see how it printed uh, with this new format, many of them were, were taken to saying, you know, oh, you know, this is awful. You know, these comics are being printed on toilet paper now. <laughs> I mean, I feel I'm the only one who could honestly say that. Right. You know, my um, comic is, was printed on toilet paper. The 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 crawlspace fans know my love of this this product so much, and and a couple people because I usually have it on my shelf back there. You can always see it prominently in the background of my <laughs> spider shrine. And during COVID, someone asked me during the toilet paper shortage, Ooh. "Are you going to bust out and use this if you can't get any?" Did you get a similar question to you? about it oh <laughs> uh, yeah I, I i've been asked almost everything you can imagine about it so uh, that's that included i i'm too much of a 
a collector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ever, ever do that. We'll, we'll hit know, the Sears but, catalog before we go to the collectibles, right? <laughs> I, I just, well, I don't know what, I, I'm always well stocked in uh, toilet yeah. paper. I'm like a <laughs> Scotsman myself. And, uh, well, there you and go. if we I, really want to get I like the Charmin bears, but to each his own. Um, well, <laughs> Well, I like them. And, you know, there's two different kinds. There's the blue ones and the red ones. Were you aware of that? <laughs> this is the weirdest conversation, but I love it. <laughs> well, the big question when talking toilet paper. Yeah. Brad, the world wants to know. I would love to when know. When it's on the, when it's installed in your bathroom, does it come from over the top? Or it just so happens. I have a visual display. This is how, in my opinion, you should put toilet paper on the roll. It should go... Okay. It should go like that. Correct. And, and people who do this with it up against the wall are messed up. Yeah, and <laughs> I you can see that that toilet paper is designed for the correct installation. Oh, yes. Yes. It's meant to go over. If you do yes. this, you have no story. As okay, much we, as you loved it, I bet you're now finding new reasons to appreciate <laughs> it. Now, here's another question because... Uh, it's well known my love of this product. And it wasn't until I, I do these shows uh, called Spider Collectors where I spotlight uh, people that have massive Spider-Man collections. And I saw this on the shelf on someone's collection. And next to it was the matching piece. Have you seen this? The matching piece that goes with the toilet paper? I don't know. This is the facial tissues. So this is oh, look at that. Have you ever seen these? I think uh, way back when. Uh, yeah. They're yeah. made by the same company, which is O-Joy. No, O-Dawn. <laughs> O-Dawn, Inc. New York, oh, New York. Okay. And it has the same images on the bottom yeah. of it. I'm sure uh, uh, the other box and, uh, and this one as well, uh, yeah. a lot of the... Uh, merchandising stuff uh, at Marvel was produced under the auspicious of, of the incredible Saul Brodsky, who I yeah. enjoyed working with for many years, and, uh, and Patty Greer, who was uh, later married to the great and wonderful um, Dave Cockrum. Uh, her job was to uh, put together a lot of these uh, licensed products uh, in terms of the uh, packaging, you know, so... Uh, she had a lot of shots that she uh, would use over and over again. So, it, you know, she, she just, it was good. It was great. I remember when I was a kid, there would be around the time of the Marvel superheroes TV show, uh -huh. there was some really wonky merchandise that came out, including right. long before Iron Man had his nose ever so briefly in his armor. Right. Uh, it was a Milton Bradley jigsaw puzzle that had Spider-Man with a nose. Is that <laughs> okay, I gotta find there? that. I gotta. Is I gotta that was your collectibles there. Oh, okay. <laughs> now you're making me look for Spider-Man's nose somewhere. I love it. Yeah. No, I think they gave it to an artist, and uh, yeah. he was clearly trying to emulate the uh, Ditko Spider-Man. Yeah. And for the most part, uh, succeeded, but he added a nose. You know, right. you know, or something that looked like a nose protruding through the, uh, yeah, uh, well, not, not, it was still under his mask, but you could tell. Yeah, it's oh, very more prominent. Yeah. 
He has yeah. a honker there, you know. <laughs> before we move on, any other thoughts on the toilet paper? Before we move on, oh, we could go an hour just on the toilet. Paper. <laughs> we could. You know what's sad? I believe it too. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that they uh, on April Fool's Day they they sort yeah. of brought it back. I, I did attempt to get it uh, printed uh, by Abrams Books. Mm. Uh, they were doing a um, uh, a box set of the Marvel mini comics. Okay, Have you yeah. seen the, the ones yes. that are literally a little bitty guys. Yeah, I've seen smaller those. than that. You know, like they're the yeah. size of a postage stamp. Mm -hmm. And most of them were also drawn by Marie Severin. And there probably written by her in some cases. It was like a, an odd assortment. It was, uh, yeah. you know, the, you'd expect, you know, Spider-Man, the Hulk, right? Uh, but there was also Sergeant Fury and Millie right. the Model. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and what they did at Abrams was uh, they, they blew up, you know, those mini comics. Each yeah. one they gave uh, a little hardcover book to. And, you know, so I don't can't remember how many there were all together, maybe yeah. six or more. They're on and Amazon, too. I didn't. Was Roy Thomas involved with that reprint or something like that? I think, I think Mark Evanier was. In Mark Evanier, yeah. I yeah. think he wrote. Uh, yeah. But Roy may have been involved as well. Yeah. And I can't remember right now. But uh, and they, they did a beautiful, you know. <laughs> I'll have <laughs> to pick that up. I've not I've not read that. But uh, box set of, uh, yeah. you know, all these uh, little mini comics. I suggested to the. Uh, the top editor over at Abrams that, you know, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, you're, you're taking these little tiny books and you're, you know, I got some toilet paper that'll them. paint a wall for well, <laughs> wallpaper, you know, that, you know, it would be nice to include it as a backup, but I'm, I'm Absolutely. betting, you know, Marvel's probably saving it for something, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> all all its own you know like uh, <laughs> you know and the toilet paper masterworks and the toilet paper <laughs> well uh, let me give you another example i uh, yeah. you know i edited uh, marvel age for about eight yep. years and i would have never imagined marvel would do a uh, marvel age omnibus yeah, which i just i wrote the uh, introduction for and uh you know, I mean, that was something I did a lot of things that the upper management at Marvel, you know, didn't really appreciate. Let's put it that way. Uh, that. They, 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 you know, and again, this is uh, not so much the humor challenge this case in this case, but mm -hmm. people didn't understand Marvel's relationship with its audience. The, right. the more cynical fans would say Marvel Age was just reprehensible. It was Marvel selling its advertising to the fans. And uh, I felt uh, that growing up, the relationship Stan Lee and the Marvel mm -hmm. Bullpen had with its readers through the letter columns, through the bullpen bulletins, through the fan clubs, etc., was so crucial that as Marvel was growing so much, it was no longer possible to really contain all that was happening every month on just one page and you know yep. all the comics so you know i thought it was great you know to keep it out there and as the years gone by i've noticed uh, a lot of the fans who grew up with it who now work at marvel putting their masterworks together and all all mm -hmm. that have mined the marvel age 
They have. Features. They so, make good backup features for those. Oh yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they they have interviews with the creators at the yep. time. They have sometimes the first appearances of certain uh, uh, material. I, I was just contacted the other day by Marvel, and I couldn't answer it. They they were looking at uh, a piece of artwork uh, for a Moon Knight cover that was possibly done. Uh, not a Moon Knight cover. A uh, yeah, Spider Woman cover. Okay. Uh, probably by uh, Frank Miller and Bob Wyacek that wasn't published as the cover. I think the comic, it was probably a, uh, a, a rejected cover. Mm-hmm. And I think for issue 37, 38, around there, okay. you know, where Werewolf by Night was the guest star. Okay. So, ah. That would so have been a good backup in a, either a Spider Woman trade or a Werewolf by Night trade. Yeah. Well, I think, I think. Yeah. That's what <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, Corey, the editor at the, at Marvel, is probably uh, researching and then trying yep. to find out, uh, you know, where it came from. Anyhow, let's get back to Spider-Man, shall no, we? No, I I loved Marvel Age, and so did the the comments here. And and Vinkman says this is where I discovered the Forbish Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was another. You know, I I yeah. whatever I've done. There's a lot of times. Uh, when you have the opportunity, like how can you avoid not being self-indulgent? I, you know, uh, I looked at Marvel. I want everything I did with Marvel age was to try to make it a real magazine. And this is pre-internet. This is pre-internet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in some ways, you know, even, you know, whether it's, uh, even the New Yorker, you know, the prestigious New Yorker has a mascot, Eustace Tilly. You know, mm-hmm. humor mags would have, you know, everyone from Alfred E. Newman till Sylvester Smythe. You know, yeah. I loved Forbish Man. So, <laughs> yeah. as I mentioned before, in talking about Marie Severin, uh, uh, you know, uh, Not Brand Eck was one of my favorite comics. And uh, mm-hmm. lest we forget, Forbish Man was also a Stan Lee, Jack Kirby creation. Exactly. And uh, although Stan, had been using the Irving Forbush name as far back as, uh, I believe, in the 50s uh, in a humor magazine that uh, Stan wrote everything for. It was called Snafu. Are you familiar with that? I know what that means, an abbreviation of it, but uh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know he wrote that, though. Yeah, it was a black-and-white humor magazine, you know, designed to compete with, uh, with MAD, Right. And uh, Stan wrote the whole thing and had some great artists, you know, uh, from the 50s bullpen, Russ Heath and, uh, nice. and others. And um, I think on the contents page is where it first appeared. He, uh, you know, he's emulating other more serious magazines by saying, you know, Snafu magazine uh, founded by, you know, maybe Melvin Forbush, yeah. losted by Irving Forbush. There you so, go. He, he was, that was a name that Stan used for many years. So, uh, I couldn't resist. So, uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned it, uh, earlier. Uh, I want to talk about now the, you wrote Spidey super stories. And if, if the internet's correct from fi- issue 15 to 52, does that sound about right? Yeah. I also edited yeah. it for a while yeah. and, and David, ah, oh, there, there's my first one there. So that's your first one. I've got, I've got some color, galleries of this. Talk a bit about how the the gig with this one came about. 
Um, oh, mainly, look at Jaws. I love that. That's such a good Yeah, movie. I did the cover sketch for that. And okay. uh, at, at conventions, uh, not only do I do autographing, I, I do what I call lousy sketches. And uh, <laughs> well, I, have, I have stories with every issue. This this could go oh. forever. Um, <laughs> oh, that one's that not, one, that, that one doesn't work anymore. <laughs> this one uh, got covered in, uh, well, the trade towers, but at oh, the, the time the, it the appeared king. in... Uh, in yeah. um, the, the the newspapers, New York City's uh, big right. newspapers did a, a story on that because it was mentioned New York City. Right. It was one of those. I remember when the newspapers came out, I was probably going through, uh, you know, feeling sorry for myself or something. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and what happened was uh, <laughs> I think some of these covers may have been penciled by Jack Kirby and inked by John Romita. Uh, yeah, that, that one it says Kirby and Ramita, so I think. Uh, yeah, I don't Ramita's know about, about the Doctor Doom one and the Surfer, yeah. and uh, I mean but, they were uh, just great. I still have, uh, <laughs> and that's that's definitely Ramita. That was yeah. uh, Elton John <laughs> was very popular at the time. Oh, yep. We're gonna get to issue what is it thirty one, which is your infamous issue of Spidey Superstar. I think it's thirty one. Well, With only the, now you know, but they're all infamous, you know, like. Uh, you know, yeah. some of these, uh, yeah, good yeah, we'll old get to 31 in just a second. We're doing like a, a scroll of, uh, um, I think that story was by Ralph Macchio actually. Okay. Oh, this guy Webman, has action figures now. Yeah. That I, I wish I could take credit for it, but I, I can't, <laughs> <laughs> I try to, but I, I, I can't. Right. Uh, easy reader, uh, AKA Morgan Freeman. What was it like working with PBS with, uh, this book? Did they have a lot of input or with the electric? Oh, company? they had a tremendous amount of input, yeah. but back to your original question, uh, uh, Jean yeah. Thomas, uh, Roy's, uh, first wife was the original, uh, writer on the series. And for yeah. whatever reason, she, she had left it. And, um, John Ramita, uh, senior, was uh, very proud of this. Uh, he, he took this yeah. uh, Salbia Sema cover and uh, he yeah. took it very seriously. He thought it was important. Um, I thought at the time the whole idea was kind of absurd. You know, to me yeah. as a kid, I liked the regular Spider-Man comics and uh -huh. they were all approved by the Comics Code Authority and therefore all suitable for children. And I know many, many children uh, who, <laughs> who who learned, uh, yeah, well, Star Wars was popular at the time. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man with a lightsaber. And and you're publishing Star Wars comics at this time, so Star Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to know. I think that's by Sal yeah. as well. And, um, you know, so to me, uh, a Spider-Man comic for kids didn't really make yeah. sense. Uh, but, you know, I, I was willing to go with that. And in a strange way, that was really uh, an adaptation of a Roy Thomas story. Uh, that's like, yep. uh, you know, like the, 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 the stories I did went from like that one was one end of, uh, you know, being uh, almost like just simplified Marvel stories to others, which were far more silly yeah. and absurd. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was sort of established that it wasn't part of the uh, main Marvel well, universe. I, 
I, I've said this on the show. The electric company got me into Spider-Man. And uh, when I saw this, I, because I'm like two or three, uh, this mixed with the electric company mixed with reruns of the 67 show. I'm 48 years old. I'm still going. You nabbed me at a young age and, uh, Spidey super stories is it that, that, that hooked me. I loved it. So, I'm, I'm uh, really always thrilled and delighted to hear that because as I mentioned, yeah. I mean, when that newspaper article came out about the fun city kingpin story and all that, I was yeah. sort of, you know, feeling, uh, ignored and uh, <laughs> that mm. no one paid attention to it and uh, you know feeling you know because I was surrounded by uh, other all the other writers you know would have stacks of fan mail you know and and you know you know and so my I was happy to do what I was doing and right. and I felt it was important but I didn't get any feedback at the time and That's because I couldn't write you a letter. I was too young. <laughs> I, 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 over the years, I've begun to realize that, and I'm ex yeah. incredibly flattered when I meet people who tell me that. I, I thank mm -hmm. you. And and there's so many uh, comics writers who've told me that the first comic they ever read was uh, Spidey Super Stories, and Absolutely. you know, so so it's this weird love hate relationship I have with it uh, <laughs> because in, in many ways. I, I was, uh, not only was it the lack of attention I was getting, is uh, when I was uh, trying to write my stories, I remember the children's books I grew up with. And a yeah. lot of them were just so wonderfully illustrated that I could almost project myself into those stories and imagine being in those, those other worlds. Yep. Now, not to speak ill of those no longer with us, but uh, Wynne Mortimer was an incredibly accomplished artist, you know, had had an incredible career in comics. You know, he worked on, you know, for DC on all their top titles. He was like a Superman and uh, Batman artist, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know for, for years and years, just a you know, he did a great run later on in Supergirl. He was, you know, good at drawing attractive women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Very accomplished guy. Right. But unlike the regular Marvel titles, uh, or at the time, uh, the way Marvel um, comics were written, where a plot would be written, given, you know, submitted to the editor for approval and then given to the, the artist to illustrate, uh, because it was done with the children's television workshop, because there were so many things that had to uh, be done. There was a, uh, a specific uh, vocabulary that I was limited to. Uh, yeah. you know, there were many, many, many uh, things that they wanted every issue, and which I was, for the most part, happy to do. And again, what, you know, that, none of that bothered me. I, I was up for that challenge. What frustrated me, and I have a classic example of it, right. uh, the, uh, there were these characters on um, the Electric Company show called mm -hmm. the, the Short Circuits. Get it? The Short Circus. Okay, okay. 
and uh, you know these kids basically right. and there was one story uh, maybe that one with the surfer but uh, I had Spider-Man and the short circus going into Dr. Doom's castle and I <laughs> even did a little sketch for when to uh, where I wanted you know Jack Kirby had already designed <laughs> some great Dr. Doom castles. So I right. thought it would be very visually interesting to have that. Mm -hmm. um, but Wynn was the ultimate uh, minimalist. He, yeah. <laughs> he reduced the castle to one line. <laughs> you, know, you know, and there was like a drawbridge. And yeah. the, you know, you know, maybe Spider-Man from the chest up walking into the castle and the tops of the heads of the little short yeah. kids. And, <laughs> and maybe a chain to show that it was they were on a, a drawbridge. Yeah. That was it. You didn't get to see well, the castle. You've and, got Kirby and you've got the other. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I was lucky with the covers. I, I had... Yeah. Uh, uh, Ramita and Kirby and Salvia Semin and others, and, and that was all wonderful. So I should be thankful for that. We got, and, I, and, I, got, I got my, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, just to give when, when proper credit is the book required the utmost in, in clear storytelling. Yes, you know, yeah. uh, it had to be something that, uh, children wouldn't be confused by and be able to follow the stories very easily. And in that regard, Wynn was wonderful and maybe I didn't appreciate him as much as I should have, you know, cause I was just, you know, <laughs> it's it, it, sometimes that's how human nature is. We, 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 we don't appreciate what we have. We're always thinking of what we don't have. I was off by a couple of numbers. It's issue 39, the infamous uh, Thanos, in Spidey Super Stories, where the Thanos copter was created. Talk about Thanos's copter, which is official in the MCU, dude. <laughs> Go figure, you, you know. It. Your, your creation is there. I got a picture of it. I'll show you. Well, you know, when, when uh, Marvel, uh, <laughs> they don't <laughs> deny I created it, but their system is... Uh, that if something is considered uh, derivative of another character, yeah. which it certainly is derivative of Thanos, then uh, whatever royalties, et cetera, you know, uh, that, that, that are earned by this uh, wonderful thing, uh, they go to that other JS, uh, good old Jim Starlin, and, uh, uh, and deservedly so. In yes. Loki, the Loki TV show, your Thanos copter from Spidey Super Stories is right there. You can't imagine how I reacted watching. I had no uh, advance warning, and uh, I was just no. uh, a fan of the show. Loki was a great show, and yeah, I think first we saw, um, uh, you know, the uh, Thor frog. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think he Simonson. Was a, yeah, Simonson's frog. Yeah, so like, yeah. like that was that was like, that was fun to see. No matter what, it's sort of like. A little odd having it in uh, the Loki show, uh, <laughs> right. and not and not having it really be uh, addressed at any other point. Here's some uh, Thanos copter art here. Yeah, they were. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll go back to the photo and if, uh, let me see if I. Oh, what, what the Loki? The Loki one? Yeah, yeah. I okay. Wanna, there you just, go. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I. It seems. 
Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there are those who feel that one of those uh, blades from the copter is what Thanos used in Endgame as his sword. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> now, how important is that? <laughs> well, that that's that's real important. Um, if I have it, here we go. Another part of that story that I love is, you know, how in, in the movie, Thanos is just so tough. But at the end of your story, Thanos just gets hauled off by the cops. I love that. <laughs> this is, again, pre-Infinity Gauntlet, etc. Well, um, this was the Spidey super story. Exactly. And, uh, I love it. Uh, you know, it, it, you know have, I think it was actually, you know, the, the electric company folks would look at, this, at our... Uh, at the Marvel comics yeah. and yeah, the same way, you know, they wanted things in it that would, were, were popular. And yeah. also there was an editorial board at the uh, CTW where it was, was made that, that children's of, television workshop. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, it might now be the Sesame street workshop. I can't remember. Right. Right. But, uh, and, and they wanted uh, long before, <laughs> The world uh, became woke. If you look at even my first story uh, with Storm, you see that uh, they wanted uh, women in important roles. And uh, oh, that's awesome. So if you look at all these stories, you see a lot of you know all, every Marvel female character Hell seems to be Hellcat. Yeah. You know, well, we certainly couldn't call her that. And uh, oh, Spidey. what'd you call her in the book? What was she not Hellcat? No, of course not. Right, let's let's she, take a look. Maybe I'm wrong, but let's take a look. Oh, I'm sure let's see. Uh, if I can pull it up. Um, <laughs> well, I don't really have an image of what they called her in the book. I'll have to. Yeah. to well, I sure the, they wouldn't have called it her that on the. Maybe Patsy Walker. I don't know. <laughs> No, no, I think it was the, uh, she was originally the cat when she... The uh, cat, okay, yeah. You know, and then uh, yeah. she was later renamed Hellcat, but uh, <coughs> her first title, right. you know, coincided when I was first starting at Marvel in 1972, yeah. you know, it was called Beware the Claws of the Cat, and uh, she was the cat. Of the cat. And, uh, this this Thanos copter has also been in uh, video games. You've got Thanos in the Lego Marvel <laughs> game. Uh, that the bottom panel is from a recent Deadpool comic. When I say recent, probably ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, he's been everywhere. He's even, if I've got the picture, he's been made into a toy by. Uh, I think at least pick. two, actually. But yeah, there's there's the toy version. It's like Hot Wheels. I think made it or something like that, and it was at a, at a convention. Could be, yes. Which I think yes, it's hysterical. Do you have any of these? Did they, they no, send no. you? You didn't. They didn't no, send you. No, no. Come on, this is a that's shame. Bad. <laughs> that's a shame, man. <laughs> but that's okay, I, I have enough junk. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you let maybe they could give me that uh, the the Thanos copter from uh, the the Loki episode, and I could. Uh, well, I bet you it's a digital file. They'll send you the digital file of the. <laughs> no, it's a real, real copter they built. And oh, okay, okay, I got you. Uh, uh, talk about the end of Electric Company. Well, I guess when the show went off, the comic went away too. Like you were there, at, according to my research, you stopped at fifty-two, and I think the book went till fifty-seven. 
uh, issue 57. Ironically, uh, uh, I was born in 57. That's an important number in my life, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah. You know, 57 was uh, not the best year in the world for, for Marvel. I think that's when they had a oh, yeah. drastically uh, cut Bad. back their entire line and, uh, you know, but I guess did did the children's television workshop just say, "Hey, the show's ending. We might as well end the book." Is that how super super story? I don't. Know. I wasn't involved in that decision, yeah. so I really yeah. don't know the answer. I imagine it was something like that. I right. mean, I, perhaps also. Um, uh, I mean, if the if the show wasn't on, it didn't make much sense. It was also something that most people don't recall, but there was an Electric Company magazine. I had that and had Spidey Super Stories in it too. Yeah, there was. Um, mo- I, I think I only wrote one of those. A lot of them were written by Stephen Grant. Okay. You know, not, not the I'm Moon Knight, but no. the writer. He, 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 did, he did several Punishers, if I remember correctly, Stephen Grant. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's written yeah. everything, you know. Yeah. But a very talented guy, and he did a great job. I think Sal Buscema drew those as well. Sal did everything. We've Mike had Sal on this show, one of my personal favorites. Um, one of my favorite covers of that Electric Company magazine is you've got Telly Savalas on the front, and he's coloring Spider-Man's coloring his bald head or something like that. I think that's hysterical. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, before we move to Amazing Spider-Man, we talk about McFarlane, etc. You also did some um, McCoo. Uh, no, the uh, issues like this, which were supplements to newspapers, and this had amazing. <laughs> this had amazing friends in it. And you did a yes. Nutcracker story. It was the Spider-Man is Amazing Friends, right? Well, and it actually had a uh, a ballet villain who was created by Mark Grunewald. There I didn't go. make him up. Uh, Daddy <laughs> Longlegs or something. I can't remember. But I, I think- I, this is on my to-do. Uh, I want to buy this, but it's I got a uh, a notice. It was like ninety bucks. Over on my comic shop, and I'm like, I like a it. Bargain, ninety bucks. It was free in the Dallas Times Herald, man. <laughs> hey, what can I tell you? You know, inflation. Yeah. I know, right? It's not toilet paper. I'm not dropping ninety for this. <laughs> uh, good old. Uh, I'm not sure who did the cover, but I think the interior like was by Jim Madman Mooney. <laughs> oh, there you well, go. I did quite a few stories with over the years, and. and that- uh, yeah, another and, supplement in the Dallas. Uh, <laughs> you did Kingpin in a Santa outfit. You wrote that one, right? Well, how can you resist that? <laughs> <laughs> ho ho ho! I love that. I love now that one. I own. I I do own that one. I don't have the spider su- spider friends though. <laughs> um, <laughs> Horn of Sex says, Brad, spend the ninety. Jim needs the residuals as <laughs> well. You, you, think, you know what residuals are on, on free giveaways? <laughs> uh, double it was zero. Yeah. Um, I get a hundred percent of the cover price on every issue, not sold. <laughs> so talk about these supplement issues. Another famous one was the power pack. Uh, you heavy topic. You talked about this, child abuse. This, this one's, uh, this one's a big one. Uh, yeah. for me. uh, I take probably a lot more seriously than the others. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of times I would avoid writing uh, a lot of the real mainstream uh, Marvel books, even though I was offered uh, a lot of them. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the truth was uh, I felt I, I wasn't worthy. <laughs> I so uh, 
uh, uh, loved and worshipped the original uh, Marvel books by Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, and everyone else. That you know, who who am I to um, dare think I could, you know, write the, anything worthy to be published in the official Marvel universe? Uh, but I did, uh, I did feel, you know, as a fan, that protective of the characters. So whenever there were all these other crazy projects, I felt, you know, it, it, it would it would help to have someone who's familiar with the characters, you know, Thanos notwithstanding, uh, <laughs> who could yeah. sort of, you know, preserve, you know, some of what they're about, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, so I was always happy to do those, uh, you know, no matter what the premise was. There was at one point, I think um, there was a lot of those uh, custom comics, they call them, or custom uh, comics, yeah, public service, whatever they want, uh, uh, and uh, social, whatever they called them. And uh, there were some of them, like the like the one with the kingpin and Santa Claus and the Dallas cowboy cheerleaders and all those things, Texas Fair, uh, where a lot of times they wanted to team up a Spider-Man, the Hulk, and Captain America. And I knew they would never let me do it. But <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched The Three Stooges. Uh-huh. And there would be episodes where it would start with the three of them sleeping in the same bed. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, just look, can I do one where the splash page is Cap, Spidey, and uh, no, all sleeping in the same bed? And, Please uh, no. <laughs> well, you've got your wish. <laughs> um, th this story I remember reading. Um, <laughs> There's no well, I'm villain. Interrupt you and give you uh, uh, another toilet paper thought to uh, think about. <laughs> Did you see the Saturday Night Live episode way back when? I think it was hosted by um, oh, what's her name who played Lois Lane in the Superman movies. Oh, uh, Margot Kidder. Yes, you yeah. have great memory. And uh, they did a great sketch where there was uh, a party at Lois's place. Yeah. Where she invited, you know, the Marvel superheroes were there. You got, and you even had Ant Man, who was the first actor who to play Ant Man and had a cameo in the in the Ant Man in the, movie. In the movie. Yes, yeah, I like that. I love that so much. And you got Belushi as the Hulk, and I forget and where who played Spider Man. Where was he? Hulk was in the can. Hulk, and Hulk what do you think he used? <laughs> Why I bet. He used this. <laughs> At least an entire roll. <laughs> I, he may have bought two and the tissues. He <laughs> there you, well, if, if he had to sneeze. But okay, now back to uh, serious stuff. Oh, anyway, back to, uh, as Hornacek is saying, Skip. <laughs> one of the worst villains in Spider-Man history. Who I thought, and I'm young when I'm reading this, I thought it was Uncle Ben. And that just messes with my brain a lot. Ooh. Mainly due to the art on it. I thought that was Uncle Ben. I don't know why, but that was Skip. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can you see the Uncle Ben well, in it a little bit? the white hair. The white hair did it for me. So I, Yeah, I, that, that's an odd thing. I don't know why they did that. Um, I don't know why either, but, but anyway. You know, we mentioned uh, 
Stephen Grant before, and this was in no way intended to be him. But right. uh, he's he's one of those guys who uh, was a young guy who had white hair, so it does exist, you know. Yeah. But uh, but uh, I have white hair now. But uh, here's uh, the scene that just disturbs you right here. Skip. Ugh. But uh, what was it hard to come up with the story, or what were your thoughts going into this this story? You you had to well, convey a message know, of the dangers. I'm writing about it in a. Uh, a memoir I'm working on. Oh, nice. And, uh, so I'm sort of saving that story for that. I, okay. I you know, I, I, cause it, right. I, I haven't talked about it anywhere else. And this is a comic that, uh, has been, uh, you know, ridiculed by some and praised by others. And, uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their own uh, opinion. And, um, but to me, uh, one of the I could say this. One of the main reasons I wrote it was again we were working with an outside organization, and I forget and what it was, was called. Children, uh, is it? I forget what it's called. I'm sorry. It's it's on the cover of the thing. Uh, um, here produced with uh, in cooperation with the national produced in cooperation with the National Committee for Prevention of Child Abuse. That, exactly. Yeah. That. And, that and, you know, and, and they had nothing but the best intentions, and they had a lot of things that they required in the... It was really the Spider-Man story that they were focused on. Mm -hmm. So there was a uh, Power Pack story yeah. where that was a lot easier, you know, where I could just edit that. And, I, you know, we had the creators of Power Pack, uh, Louise Simonson and June Brigman, and working on it. And, you know... The, I, I didn't have to do much. They're, they're all wonderful. Right. But the Spider-Man story was the one that was going to get the media attention. Right. And uh, they had so many things they wanted to happen in it. And uh, I thought it would might make my job easier. And like, say, if you, if I was the editor and you were the writer, uh -huh. I have to tell you so much stuff, give you so much material and then, you know, there would be the back and forth. I thought, you know, it would be easier if I just write it myself. That right. way, I have the meetings with them, which I would have to have anyway. Yeah. I would get all the information. I would absorb what they wanted, what they didn't want. Uh, and there was even uh, uh, a critical player in this, the woman who also uh, was responsible for putting that uh, that newspaper syndicate uh you know, with the, those other comics you were talking about. And uh -huh. her name is Nancy Allen, and she has a, a, a credit on the book. Uh -huh. And uh, and she was very involved editorially as well. So when you have that many people to answer to. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of people. A lot of cooks yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of times when people read the story, it's not as if, I was editing uh, or writing a regular issue of Amazing Spider-Man mm -hmm. where I, ha I would have had far more freedom, you know, as long as, uh, you know, the, the editors approved. I mean, that would be the extent of uh, what I would have to do. But, no, I had to answer to a lot of people and uh, give them what they wanted and, and do it in a way where I felt it was still... Uh, you know, true to Spider-Man and 
everything he believes in. And uh, it's interesting, some of the, uh, some of my uh, <laughs> colleagues and or assistants when I was a Spider-Man editor, uh -huh. uh, there was a, a series, uh, I think Spider-Man Saga. Uh, I think Danny Fingeroth was editing that. I remember and, that. And Peter Sanderson and others were probably writing it. And um, where the, the goal of that was to, you know, uh, sort of tell the whole Spider-Man story. Right. And, uh, like a linear timeline or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. So since this, yeah, well, they want to, they wanted to include the flashback sequence of, of oh. Peter Parker where, you know, where he was abused and uh, the powers that be at the time decided they didn't want to make that official Spider-Man canon. Yeah. So yet another example of something I've done being a, <laughs> retcon yeah. out of existence but i was yeah. very flattered there is a uh, uh let's see if you're aware of this brad all righty <laughs> or you have it on your shelf or you're ready to press a button and play okay I'm, I'm, actually, i've got i've got an image ready for you once what once there there's actually a, there was a, a kid who read it he grew up and he was in a rock band and they're called the, the black lips and they did a story inspired they did a song inspired by that story You've stumped the band. I've never heard this before. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube or okay. online. The uh, the band is. I'm hope I'm getting it right. They. This is another band with a similar name. I think they're the Black Lips. Black and, Lips. And uh, and I I met them uh, when they were playing in the city, and I said, "Hey, I wrote that story. You did the song on." And then you know we got pictures together and all that, cool. and so. It, it did have quite an impact on the kids who actually read the story. You know, yeah. yours is a unique experience, but it just shows <laughs> the same yeah. thing could have so many, you know, varied reactions. I and remember seeing this, I'll pop it up. I remember seeing this in almost all the comics that Marvel put out. It's like a one page ad. I think it was obviously tied into your story, right? Yeah, and uh, it was another uh, promotional effort, you know, uh, that Marvel was doing. I would have never used that Spider-Man logo. I'm uh, <laughs> to me, oh. there's only one Spider-Man logo that uh, <laughs> I've always used. Even notice that? Yeah, there's only uh, one. There's the Amazing Spider-Man logo. Yeah, I, I agree. And yeah. uh, so. It, it was uh, that comic, believe it or not, in many different forms, is probably the biggest print run, uh, biggest circulation of any Spider-Man comic. How many do you was, think are, are out there? Do you, you think that I know the number? Fourteen million. Oh, you got you got Spider-Man One by McFarlane beat on that one with fourteen million out there. Well, these were given away free, so yeah. And it was uh, done as a um, uh, an actual sort of newspaper insert, like presented like on the comics pages as well, not just uh, uh, the comic book uh, as an insert. It was even a uh, done as a slideshow oh, wow. that would be shown in schools. And uh, believe it or not, there are lots of uh, people who uh, went to prison as a result of people contacting. 
the, that phone number and reporting uh, being abused. So wow. it's, that, it's, it's that's uh, really that's awesome that a comic book that you were involved with did that. Well, it was it was Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but you wrote the dang thing. You take some credit, man. That's really I, a great I, thing. I mean, it, it's something that there were many people involved. And so cool. I, I, I'm as I said before, I'm, I'm more than happy to take credit for a lot of things. And you know, and and on that one, it was uh, That's it funny. was. I don't think you know there are even changes done to my story. Uh, you know, uh, that I still have, and it'll be in my memoir. The, uh, the original <laughs> coming art. out, by the way, do we have a date? When oh, can we get it off Amazon or what? Let's hope I live long enough to finish it. Uh, Uh-oh. but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a it's really, a a fun project and I enjoy mm-hmm. doing that. And my cat just jumped on my lap again. <laughs> And I try not to scream because uh, her claws dug right in. Here's the evil cat again. Here, I'm going to full screen you so everyone that loves cats out there can see your cat. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Oh, Ooh, <laughs> the, ca- the cat knows to look right at the camera lens. I love she, that. She, she was curious. She <laughs> one, more, one more book I got to ask. fan of uh, Spider-Man Crawl Space. <laughs> oh, thank you, cat. Uh, one more book before we get to the amazing stuff and McFarlane, etc. cetera. Uh, Spidey Super Stories was one of my all-time favorites. This next book, you were an editor of, uh, and I wore this book thin. Spider-Man and Hulk, again, you combine. This is why I love Spider-Man and Hulk. I, I, I equate it to you a lot because you put these people in there. You were the editor on this one. I think that was started, uh, Marvel had a weird uh, policy, which yeah. I didn't quite agree with, but I understood it. Um, yeah they would put the name of the editor who got the book out the door, as they would phrase it, uh, yeah. as the editor. So there are comics that uh, I would, I, I have edited that I got no credit for that became issues, say, of Marvel fanfare. And this is nothing against um, Al Milgram. But, you know, he was the one who got the book out the door to the printer. So that's how it works. You're a consulting so editor on this right here. Yeah, there you go. So Mark Grunewald probably the real the real editor on that. This uh, one he, is famous because it's the 1980 Winter Olympics, and didn't the United States not look, go it to says that one? Contest of Champions right there. Where? Where does it say that? Right below your cursor. Chapter 4. Oh, Chapter 4, the Contest of Champions right there. Yeah, look, it does. Mark Grunewald's story. Stephen yep. Grant, who I was talking about before. Yep. You know, well, see, they were... Uh, they were cooking that up even as uh, even know, back in 1980. So didn't the United States pull out of the Winter Olympics? I, so this was a story about um, the Winter Olympics, and I think the United States pulled out, but this book still came out, right? Well, yeah. Why not? <laughs> in the Marvel Universe, there was a Winter Olympics, for crying out loud. That's true. But this is a treasury book, and these are huge books Look at just look at the, some of the stuff. I just yeah. love this book so much. Any 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 fond memories of working on this at all? I I think I was involved with mostly with the cover, which yeah. was uh, I think I was a consulting editor because uh, I was the Spider Man editor, frankly. And yeah. but the cover is uh, by the uh, historic team of Herb Trimpey and Jack Abel, who first did uh, Wolverine. Okay. Yep, they did. Yep. 
So, and the back, if I can get to the back image, uh, I can show you. A mole man is on it, if memory serves. Yep. So you got the uh, you got the mole man with a, an Olympic skier going over him. <laughs> so I love that. Bill Sinkevich, it says. Yep. Um, and there you go. Coming this summer, you're going to do a summer Olympics, but that turned into contest of champions, right? I believe yep. that might be the case. I, I don't. Am I under oath? No. You are not, and you, you will not be <laughs> face any penalties under law. But uh, love that story. I had to mention it because I just adore that story as a kid. Yeah, so, no, okay. it looks good to me. Yeah, Herb uh, Trippy was great. Absolutely. So you loved. you came on a again. If the internet's correct, you came on Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, in January 1st of no, issue 284, January 1st, 1987, you, you, um, it, it was a bit of tumultuous time, I think on the book, um, Jim sure. Owsley, Jim Owsley, Ron friends, Tom DeFalco talk about, about the tumultuous time you coming on that book at that time. They I weren't getting along. That. I, I, uh, yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I had edited uh, before uh, yeah. uh, even more titles uh, when Marvel only basically had four editorial groups. Mm -hmm. And I was editing uh, after Roger Stern left. I was his assistant. Okay. Uh, the Avengers, X-Men, uh, the Fantastic Four, uh, Marvel 2-in-1, Captain America, Iron Man, uh, Thor. Uh, Marvel Premiere, Marvel Spotlight, uh, and 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 more. And so yeah. I didn't last incredibly long because it was like that was a ton of stuff to edit, and uh, you know, and I always there was always uh, tumultuous stuff going on. You know, I edited the uh, you know the death of Dark Phoenix, uh, except in my version she lived. Yet another right. example of something I did, uh, you know, being, you know, it, it didn't even, well, it later saw print in my version. I uh, remember, yeah. yeah. But, but you know, like, uh, usually when we, my stuff is retconned after it got published. <laughs> but uh, this one, that didn't happen. But, you know, so there was, I was very much used to uh, all the, uh, the drama. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I, uh, I, I would never get, I would try not to get, get caught up on that. Uh, when I took over, uh, I was asked, uh, I, I was happy to, to go back on staff at that point. Uh, and, I, I, you know, matter of fact, when I went back on staff, uh, mm -hmm. the assumption was, well, you don't have to edit uh, Marvel Age anymore. I said, "What are you, crazy? You know, <laughs> that's my that's my baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, I felt. Very, uh, you know, I felt it was still important, and you know, professionally or economically, it was a silly thing for me to do. But it was very important to me that relationship between Marvel and the fans, and uh, I wanted to hold on to it. And I could have much, much more easily edited like two or three other comics. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Age was putting together every single page of, of a magazine from virtually nothing and right. working with uh, maybe a dozen writers and production people and, 
and cartoonists and covers and Stan Lee and Mark Runewald and it, you know it was just a great thing. I, I enjoyed that. So, but they again that same attitude of well, you don't have to work on this thing. It's below you now that you're a big time Spider Man editor. You're on the uh, flagship, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said no, and uh, and I you know I looked at. What was there? I saw, you know, okay, you know, I'll, I'll try to do the best I can. That that's all I can really do, and uh, and a lot of people uh, weren't exactly uh, cooperative, you know. I mean, uh, Roger Stern, you know, I, I asked him, well, what's the what's the deal? What should what should I do here? And he felt, oh, it's not my Spider-Man anymore, and you know, he just sort of washed his hands of everything, and I was his. Uh, you know, uh, former assistant. And I thought, Oh, okay. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I just spent, uh, uh, a week and a last weekend, I think with, um, uh, Jim Owsley, who's now known as Christopher priest. And, right. and we got to finally really sit down and talk about some of that stuff. And, uh, he, he, he didn't know exactly what went on and we were comparing notes and what have you. And, um, uh, you know, he, you know, it was like, uh, all I wanted to do was wrap it up and I needed a breather. And there was, uh, you know, there were various behind the scenes, uh, realities that maybe aren't apparent to fans. And one of them, uh, was that Marvel had reached a point where, you know, I, I have I, I can understand it, but you'll understand my feelings when I explain. Uh -huh. Whereas they felt, and uh, they wanted to bring in new talent all the time. Yeah, they always wanted to nurture and develop new talent, which I think is a wonderful thing. Right. I, I applaud them for that. Unfortunately, way too often, they would use Spider-Man as you know here, you know. And like it was even the sort of uh, I, I really again I like the concept. Matter of yeah. fact, we even designed the logo, which looked just like the Amazing Spider-Man logo for the Marvel tryout book. Oh yeah, with John Romita Jr. Oh yeah. no, 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 Mark Bagley won it, and John Romita won. Yeah, yeah, Bagley won. Yeah, but the idea, which that alone made the whole project worthwhile. Absolutely. But, yeah. But what I didn't like about it, it was sort of uh, taking the, you know the most you know cliche stories you know of Spider-Man versus Doc Ock, you know this is like uh, you know it, it was almost like uh, the version uh, you know what I was writing in Spidey Super Stories. Okay, you know, yeah. It, it's you know you want you know I felt. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll just go on. to, And I, I've been proven wrong many times, but <laughs> I had a, a crazy theory that there may have been some fans, unlike you, <laughs> who associated Spider-Man so strongly with the Electric Company and, and Spidey yep. Super Stories yep. that they may have seen the character as a kiddie character. You know? Well, no, I, as I got older, I appreciated him having more problems. Like as I went into high school and college, etc., he kind of grew up with me. And I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. You know, you know. But my, my thinking was 
there, there may be, there was a point where the audience wasn't understanding, you know, that spider, you know, that, that there was a difference between Spidey super stories and the other Spider-Man. Absolutely. Comics. Yeah. A little and, bit more grown up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things which I was against at first, but come around uh, was when they added the black and white costume, right. uh, that in a way for a lot of fans became, well, see, I, I'm not reading that silly Spidey super story, Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm reading the far more sophisticated yeah. black and white Spider-Man. So I'm, I'm more of a teenager. I'm more angsty. Yeah. Whatever. I'm a little older. Yeah. I mean, it was just, just something because a lot of kids are just afraid. They always want to appear older than they are. And, you know, they don't want to be associated you know, like other kids might tease them. Oh, that's baby stuff. And right. no, this gave them an answer. No, you don't understand. This is not that silly Spidey Super Story Spider-Man. This is, you know, the, the more sophisticated. I, that's They should have one. I think they had one one issue of uh, the sophisticated Spider-Man or something mm -hmm. like that. If they don't, they'll have it next week. <laughs> well, I think we might have. But anyway, uh, yeah. so, because my initial reaction to the black and white costume mm -hmm. was I didn't like it. Uh, it's a great design. I didn't like it for Spider-Man uh, because I thought, and this became crucial later on in my editing of Amazing Spider-Man, I yeah. thought it made him look like a villain. Mm. Yeah, and Spider-Man is not a bad guy. Well, I'm very old-fashioned that way. And uh, well, I mean, the, yeah, the original Red and Blues is, is classic. I mean, but... The, the black and white has now become classic also. So Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I yeah. recognize that in retrospect. Yeah. And, and in some ways, I have to give uh, Jim Shooter some credit uh, um, in that the amount of freedom he gave me as a Spider-Man editor. Uh, later on, when I had a conversation with him, he was explaining to me that his original plan for the black and white costume was to keep it around far longer than the fans would have expected Marvel to keep it around to the point where they would actually sort of begin to think, gee, I guess that's his right. real costume now forever and ever. Right. And, uh, and when I took over Spider-Man, I, I wanted to go back to the red and blue costume being a right. you know traditionalist. And, and uh, I went to, I couldn't just automatically do that. So I had to ask Jim Shooter for his permission and uh, I could tell there was a little reluctance, but he didn't tell me that story I just told you then. He told me years later, and I felt, oh, if he had told me that then, maybe <laughs> I would have kept it around a little longer. Right. But, uh, you know, he said, and I have to respect him for this. He said, well, you're the Spider-Man editor, and that's what you want. You know, do it. Right. You know, so, uh, you know, he. I'm curious about the job of the Spider-Man editor. Uh, do you hire and fire your writers and, and yep. hire and fire your artists or what? Yeah, of what? course. So Michelini and uh, McFarlane, you hired to, to do yeah, the job? Okay. Of course. Well, and I didn't really fire anyone. I, uh, what sure. would happen on a lot of occasions, uh, well, getting back to when I started, uh, yeah. You know, I there, there was that turmoil you were talking about, and I just wanted to, 
figure it out, uh, then do the best I can, resolve it the best way we can, right. and then move on. And to give myself uh, some breathing room, yeah. one of the things I was going to say was uh, there was the bookkeeping department at Marvel. Uh, when I was mentioning that so many new people uh, that Marvel was trying out would do Spider-Man stories. Right. And they would, because they figured they were, they were publishing so many Spider-Man comics that they'll be able to publish it somewhere. And it got to the sort of a critical point where there was all this inventory Spider-Man stories just uh, gathering dust that I don't think anyone was planning to publish anytime soon. Right. And so I figured, okay, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to upset the bookkeeping department. You know, these things are, you know, uh, inventory stories that need to be published. I think I ran a bunch of them when I first started just to get them out of the way. I, and, here, I've got, I got a few of them. I think, um, if I can go back, is it the one where Daredevil's the gang war? Is that, was that an inventory story? No, I think that was, uh, no, that was part of what was, that uh, one. Yeah. yeah, we wanted to, um, finish up what he was doing. And he yep. wanted to move on. Uh, you know, this yep. was all. Uh, but you, I mean, within just a couple issues of you becoming the editor, you get the 290 and he's proposing is, and you wrapped up the hobgoblin here. And then I guess did the mandate come from shooter and uh, Stan Lee. Let's marry him. Is that how that. Absolutely not. How did Brad, I, it's all you. Brad, <laughs> sorry. What? I'm sorry. You talk. <laughs> <laughs> Correct me. I, I stand corrected. I'll tell you. I'll give you the. Tell real me the story. marriage history. I want to hear this. How'd this come about? Well, you know, like uh, like everything, uh, you know, it, it seems to be connected to Spider Man. Is uh, there? Yeah. You know, sometimes there's some miscommunication. There's this, that, the other thing. Yeah. What had happened is Stan the Manly, the creator of Spider Man, co-creator, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Uh, was still doing the Spider-Man comic strip. And, uh, and while I'm a huge fan of the early strips, uh, you know, particularly uh, by Stan and uh, John Romita and Fred Keita and, and quite a few others, you know, it, it got to a point where it was turning into something I, I, I didn't like anymore. And I'm a huge Stan Lee and a huge Spider-Man fan and I felt when I took over Spider-Man, I didn't even see myself as his editor per se, but as if I was Spider-Man's manager. And <laughs> if we did anything with Spider-Man that we wanted to get publicity about, if for a large millions of people would read Spider-Man in their local newspapers, and try to, like, what are they talking about? I don't see anything different here. This, so in a weird way, as much as I love Stan and everyone working on the strip, you know, I felt that that wasn't working, you know, for, in, in my best interest. That wasn't, you know, uh, helping. You know, I don't think anyone, uh, and I could be wrong. You could say, Jim, you're dead wrong. <laughs> I read that Spider-Man strip and I, I just couldn't get the wait to read the comics and uh, <laughs> and who knows that may be true of people you know what do i know but anyhow uh when i was given uh 
the, the titles to edit. You know, it was just a matter. But to answer, you know, about the wedding, I'll, I'll go back to yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, Stanley want, asked Jim Shooter, who was the editor in chief, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he was thinking about, you know, getting Mary Jane and Peter married. Right. And he wanted to get permission from the Marvel side of things, even right. though he was the co-creator of Spider-Man, even though he was a chairman emer- emeritus or whatever his title right. was, you know, he was someone who was going to defer. He didn't want to do something that would uh, make Marvel unhappy in any way. Right. And I remember was I was in the hallway and Jim Shooter, the editor in chief, you know, approached me and said, Hey, I just had a call with Stan. You know, he's thinking of possibly getting uh, Peter and Mary Jane married. What do you think? And believe it or not, I had been, you know, at that, you know, moment figuring out, well, what am I going to do with Spider-Man? What what can I do that is different and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, oh, well, you know, who am I? <laughs> I mean, just the situation of the create, co-creator of Spider-Man. Absolutely. You know, needing my permission to do what he wanted to do. I, I, I was just, uh, you know, no, I think it's a great idea, which I don't think Jim was expecting to hear from me. Right. And uh, the problem was, the biggest problem was, I assumed this was a general theoretical question and that, you know, once, once we agree to this, there'll be planning. We'll figure out how we want to handle it, et cetera. cetera. (laughs) Let's do it tomorrow. (laughs) Right now. It sounds like I forgot. I knew this. Stan was incredibly impatient (laughs) when he asked a question like that. It wasn't, you know, what I was thinking, like, uh, you know, on the Spider-Man comics, we would, you know, have meetings to plan what we were going to do for the next six months, this, that, the other thing. And I thought this was something, I mean, just to get Mary Jane back in the strip was going to take us time and then, you know, reignite their relationship. You know, and there how many series, you know, TV series especially, would have fun with will they or won't they get together, et cetera, et cetera. I was imagining this would be years out, you know, this wedding. So you're you're gonna you're gonna stretch it out the wedding. So the proposal happened and, and like in the same summer. No, it didn't right? happen. No, no, it, it what happened was yeah. that's a result of then finding out that Stan was going through with it. You know, he picked out a date and everything. And now we did not, that was not what was originally planned for those issues. We had to scrap everything we were doing and quickly try to, you know, get this to uh, tie in with the comic strip. So, you know, Spider-Man would get married on the same date, et cetera, et cetera, which, by the way, it happens to be my brother's birthday, June fourteenth. Oh, that's funny. I chose that, and uh, but it was not anything at all like <laughs> what I was hoping it to be. But you know, you can't uh, you can't cry and say, oh, you know, that's the, you know, it was, you know. So you just have to, you know, race to do the best you can do. Uh, 
you know, and it was very, you know, I was, you know, I think it was the best we could do under the circumstances. Was it, you know, was it uh, something I'm incredibly proud of and thought, you know, this is the best way to handle, you know, Spider-Man getting married and all that, you know, I don't think so. It's not, it's not at all what I uh, envisioned or wanted to do. But sure. it was no one's fault but my own. I should have uh, followed up a lot more. So the intention was to spread this out over possibly years, and but the end result was to get them married, correct? What better thing to do with a character who yeah. everyone says is all about responsibility? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, I, 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 I love the idea. You know, it was also, I think, you know, we all relate to Spider-Man. And in my case, I think I was re relating very closely to him. I was uh, uh, dating someone who was like, as, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, almost like my own, uh, you know, Mary Jane Watson and uh, who, who became my wife, you know, right. uh, so this was something, you know, very close to what I was going through at the time. And even in my life, it was like things didn't quite go as planned, uh, just uh, like the, the Spider-Man wedding, uh, which will be more fully uh, <laughs> retold. <In the> bio. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, those Ramita covers I love. How can Beautiful. you do that was, that was the first time I ever knew what a variant was. Was this the very first intentional variant or multiple covers? Well, as a comics collector, you've probably run into this at times where you get a yeah. double cover. It's like a yeah. misprint where right. you have the uh, same cover twice. Right. Uh, and what I thought is I, I always tried to avoid the, the, um, the different you know, covers on the same comic. What I wanted was to have two covers on each book. The outside one would be different. The newsstand one would, would be the one that became the newsstand cover, and then this would be the direct sales cover. Right. Um, you know, because the fans, you know, assuming the, new, the, the newsstand audience is, you know, they're just... They want Spider-Man and superheroes and villains, whereas the the hardcore fans, they know it's really Peter Parker and, and Mary Jane getting married. So yeah. once this got underway, there was tremendous uh, publicity and marketing involved, and I was really thrilled about that because from the very start, I'm a, a rather... Uh, you know, competitive editor. If I'm editing something, I want it to be, you know, a huge seller. You yeah. know, I want it to be as successful as possible. Sell two for two, two instead of one of them. Yeah. Well, no, I wanted actually both covers to be on 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 each uh, comic. That's okay. not what I'm talking about. You know, okay. it just would have been a different one on the outside, depending on which market it was. But uh, I guess that was too complicated, and they wound up doing it that way. Whether it was the first variant cover, I don't know. But that kept happening to me, where I tried <laughs> to do something different, and it wound up being like that. What I meant by wanting to make Spider-Man successful mm -hmm. is, 
you know, uh, I was an editor on the X-Men way back when, and I was very involved in, in seeing it go, you know, I, I was there long enough to see it as something that was considered the eternal loser, you know, X-Men never sells, you know, the original series uh, had to go to reprint and eventually was canceled and they had to bring it back. And, you know, and eventually I was an assistant editor and editor on the X-Men. So I got to see how that became uh, a huge seller. And uh, when I was editing Spider-Man, people would describe the sales picture at Marvel as they have the X-Men and everything else. Okay. So my challenge was, okay, you know, Marvel was already, you know, outselling everything DC and every other publisher had. So I couldn't, you know, you know, we, we were already outselling Superman. So that I, I, you know, what am I going to, so the only target I had was the X-Men, you know, let's see if we can make Spider-Man, you know, bigger than the X-Men because that's what I thought spider-man deserved and uh, everything so getting involved with all this marketing and all that even though i didn't like how the wedding turned out per se in the comics compared to what i was discussing with you whereas i wish i had years to build up with to it which would have i felt made it have more of an impact as as opposed to feeling like this is just being thrust upon us. You know, the argument from fans that support the marriage is that this wasn't an instantaneous thing. If you go back to Ross Andrew and the seventies, uh, even after Gwen Stacy died and she shut the door, the, uh, this has been building since the seventies and then to the eighties that this isn't just a, Hey, they just suddenly got married. This has been building up for a decade plus, if not more. And, um, Myself included, I, I it felt like a natural progression. Ever since I, she opened I, that I, door and said, face it, Tiger, that was the first time. We've been building since the 60s for this. Well, yes and no. I think okay. uh, it reached a point when Spider-Man was in multiple comics where they seemed to be phasing Mary Jane out. It seemed like she had a, he, Peter had a different girlfriend in each title. Um, you know, the black cat was there, et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was all getting kind of, uh, complicated. And, uh, at that point when I was, you know, took over editing, I agree with earlier, Mary Jane, you know, was the obvious person and, and it was all building to that. Uh, there was a graphic novel. Parallel Lives. That- yeah, that well, you read my mind. That uh, the reason that really came <laughs> to exist was there was another graphic novel that the artist needed more time to complete, and I figured, well, you know, <laughs> uh, I think I got together with uh, my incredible assistant Glenn Herdling, and we talked about things. And I thought, you know, we had been thinking about Spider-Man so much. And uh, and the relationship with Mary Jane, we felt we needed something that would really sort of show why the, you know they're destined for each other and why why it makes sense, and also sort of put all the continuity in some kind of uh, order that yeah, that it worked. That, She's known since day one for Amazing Fantasy fifteen. 
Well, you're one of the few that recall that. That was that was me. Uh, yeah, I, I, that worked. I think that worked as a fan. That worked for me. And having Jerry Conway come back and Alex Savick, I as a fan of the show, yeah. is is a is a. Uh, I loved. I I always thought he had a Ramita style, especially with Mary Jane. His Mary Jane looked a lot like Ramita. Do you have that cover where uh, she's I, being photographed and? Uh, Alex penciled it, uh, John Romita inked it, and I was the photographer drawn on the cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, give me a minute. <laughs> it was in web. But it's anyhow. Web 42, maybe? Web of Spider-Man. How can you not know that instantly? It is. Oh, is that you? <laughs> that, was, that was me back then. I, I didn't oh, ask to be there. That was Alex's uh, clever At least idea. I pulled that, that image off of my... Uh, it's the least sexy shot of Mary Jane ever. I, well, I just now saw that you're on the cover. I've been looking at Mary Jane all this time. <laughs> well, I guess any uh, Mary Jane from any angle drawn by uh, Alex. I and can, if I can. JR, it up. Um, but what had happened to justify that cover? It was a, again, we were always uh, tied into uh, the headlines and all that. Uh, good old Vanna White. Oh, that's way back when there was a magazine. Maybe yeah. you heard of it called Playboy. Oh yeah, I remember. I just read the articles on that. Yes, no. She she, <laughs> she appeared in a lingerie uh, spread, you know, photos shoot, and uh, here you go. There's your claim to fame, huh? Here. Hold yeah, on. like she always see her is mostly from the back, <laughs> with lots of pillows and flowers. You see you more go. of me than you see of uh, a cheesecake. <laughs> There you go. There I am. Uh, <laughs> Alex Savick did that to you, huh? And and Ramita inked it. So oh, uh, and Ramita, no wonder. Yes, look yeah. at that right there. Yeah, yep. That's so. Funny. How could I uh, not do it? But believe it or not, there was the sales department was so outraged. You know, uh, uh, there was a guy named Lou Bank who uh, he yeah. he I, I I couldn't understand why are you upset by this cover. And he said, it has implied nudity. <laughs> implied. Where? <laughs> yeah. She's got something on. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I got to do it. Uh, I mean, the sales department also, if you go back to it again, yeah, you can see I changed all the logos to be like the Amazing Spider-Man logo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got the classic. Which, which he hated that as well. He said, uh, "Who who hated I, that?" I, I mentioned him once. You have to watch it oh, again okay. to find out. But uh, okay. I don't want to act like he was a great guy and still is. And but you know, he had concerns. He was afraid the um, newsstand uh, uh, when they were doing returns, they they would confuse all, all these books and not know which was which. And uh, I don't think that ever happened, but uh, you yeah, know, made, it con- made the line consistent. I thought. Like- I just thought, you know, like the 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 irony here is, I think, when like when you say Superman, yeah. and I know you're a loyal Marvelite, uh, Brad. I am. Yeah. Uh, but I I bet you. I mean, Spider Man even met him a couple of times. Absolutely. But uh, th- there was a Superman logo. 
and you know exactly what it looks like. And that's the Spider-Man. That's the, what, yes, that's the classic. And I felt with, you know, with, with Spider-Man, you have to go with that. You know, to me, it's like it's uh, whether you want to call it marketing or, or what have you. I just felt Spider-Man, is, there's certain things you have to stick with. I mean, look at the Crawl Space logo. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't look like any of those other <laughs> Spider-Man logos. The, the, uh, I, I'll have to give you the origin of Crawl Space. Uh, Todd McFarlane's letter page was called Crawl Space. Issue one, as you well know, I imagine. And I, when I was making the site and back in 1998, I'm like, I, co- I co-wrote that uh, letters page with Todd. Yes, <laughs> I, the original Crawl Spacer, right there, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but what the heck were we talking about now? Oh, uh, um, here, well, let's. Uh, here I'll, we'll, we'll go back to uh, you. You were the editor on Amazing. I got in my notes here from issue two eighty four to three forty five, and you hired Todd McFarlane and David Michelini to take on the Amazing title. Talk about yeah, let's hit McFarlane. Was really there, I think. Uh, yeah, he was writing Iron Man in the seventies and eighties. He's he was, was a well known name. I was his Todd. editor then as well. Yeah, and you, Todd came off of Hulk with Peter David. What happened uh, before that was uh, yeah. there was a period at Marvel where uh, a lot of the Marvel you know, top talent was uh, jumping ship and going over to D.C. for various yeah. reasons. Todd, a very smart fellow, you know, was uh, noticing that trend and decided, well, maybe there's an opportunity for me there if I, you know, I could go from D.C., to, to Marvel. He, he had, uh, and he had a reason that uh, I understood completely is that he was very conscious of trying to make uh, his impact in, in, the, in the comics world and had a very distinctive style right from the get-go. And he got an opportunity to do Batman Year Two. And uh, yep. he did a great job on it. And no offense to the, another talented artist, uh, Alfredo Alcala, uh, but Alfredo had been at a point where a lot of times, particularly on Savage Sword of Conan, uh, the Marvel magazine, that he'd get maybe layouts by, you know, John Buscema. And because it was a black and white magazine, etc., they wanted Alfredo to make it his own you know, just add all that detail that he's so good at doing, et cetera, et cetera. And he did that when he got the, that Batman year two that was penciled by Todd. And what it effectively did is other than Todd's layouts, it turned into Alfredo Alcala art, you know, sort of like you can imagine what that's like if you're a young artist and you're, putting all this effort to get attention and have a distinctive style of your own. Right. And, and some other artist comes along and uh, sort of wipes all that out, you know, not maliciously or anything like that, but sort of believing, well, that's my job. I have to, you know, they want it to look like me. That's why they gave it to me. No one, t- no one told them otherwise. Right. So he came up to Marvel, Todd McFarlane, and uh, he met with uh, Mark Runewald, who was the executive editor. Mark took Todd 
to all the various editors' offices. And, uh, you know, and <laughs> Todd even told me there were a few editors who said, whatever you do, don't work for Jim Salicrow. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. I can't imagine my fellow ever editors ever saying like that, anything like <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, so what happened is I think he got to do, uh, didn't he get to do an issue of G.I. Joe? And uh, uh, Yeah, I think he did, yep. And he got he to did. do the Hulk with uh, Peter David. And, uh -huh. but all at the same, you know, this one trip is where all those assignments came from. And, uh, when he came in to the Spider-Man office, um, uh, it was a Todd McFarlane. You wouldn't recognize <laughs> uh, no. it was, and it wasn't in, in, in that he was, he sort of sat down. He was sort of looking down the whole time. He, he was almost mumbling. You know, I, I couldn't, you know, very soft spoken, Seemed like a, mm -hmm. you know, I loved the photocopies he showed me of his uh, pencils on Batman Year yeah. Two, I, and I totally understood. Oh my, you know, like uh, you know, this, this certainly, <laughs> I could see the source of your <laughs> frustration, and um, yeah. I thought, oh well, this is great. Uh, look look at this panel. <laughs> well, they're newlyweds, right? Well, I, nothing wrong. There's no employment uh, there, but uh, there's no employment. <laughs> I always thought well, that was a yeah, fun little. The, the funny thing to me is that, like, yeah, you know, you just draw a costume on him, and, and it's the exact same drawing. You know, it's like That's you're not true, isn't it? anything different. But uh, you know, so even though this guy seemed shy and uh, you know, uh, you know, mild mannered and all that. You know, here he was going into the Spider-Man office, you know, being presented as a possible, you know, artist. And he actually had a, not a not a demand, but a request that he said, well, if I do Spider-Man, you know, this is like some guy just coming in my office. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I want to do him in the red and blue costume. Now, he didn't know that I already. Yeah. Had, had cleared the way, you know, uh, mm -hmm. to make that happen. So right away, I'm, I didn't tell him that. One of the things editors do is you want your creators to feel, have ownership of what they're doing and feel vested in it. And it helps if they think it's their ideas. And, uh, <laughs> and so sure, you know, like, uh, go ahead, Todd. That's, a, that's great, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well we can arrange that. <laughs> and, well, yeah. uh, you got rid of it in two issues, <laughs> well, two, three issues. Yeah. Well, we were planning to do it in issue 300 and, right. uh, and that was okay with Jim Shooter. Unfortunately, there was, there was always constant turmoil at the house of ideas. And what happened is when Tom DeFalco became the new editor in chief, he called me into his office and said, you know, what are you planning to do for the 300th issue? Well, Tom, we're going back to the red and blue costume. And Tom <laughs> then said, not good enough. You have to introduce a new major spider villain. Now, Brad, you're well acquainted with the history of uh, spider villains. I, I would argue that most of them were created by Stan Lee, uh, Steve Ditko, and John Ramita Sr. You know, there were a couple yep. 
you know, uh, a few others like Morbius, which was Roy Thomas and Gil Kane, The Punisher, Jerry Conway and John Romita and Ross Andrew. But how many hundreds of other villains have been introduced over the years? And how about how, my? How about Mindworm? <laughs> how about uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a gazillion of them. Uh, Razorback, you know, yeah, tons of them. You know, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, so just sure thing, Tom. One major Spider-Man villain coming up. <laughs> he was the well, editor in chief. I had a I had to listen. And, uh, and yet again, I mean, uh, David Michelinie, a pro that he is, I mean, he had to deal with a lot of changes when we were working on, you know, as we just discussed with suddenly Spider-Man's going to get married. And uh, there was a lot of, okay, let's throw all this out and let's, let's have that happen. And even the, uh, the issues where he, uh, he did get married. You know, uh, there was a lot of back and forth where, you know, Jim Shooter wound up uh, sort of replotting the whole thing and David scripted it. Uh, So he he was already well, you know, (laughs) used to at this point, you know, like uh, whatever our plans were, things are going to change. And. So I, think after, you, I think you hit it out of the park. I mean, with Venom, I mean, you and Michelinie. And well, well, let me clarify. I mean, what happened, because this is, uh, you know, something where <laughs> it's a bone of contention with me, where I would say, you know, Marvel has a, a creator, you know, incentive program where it's all designed to give the writer and artist, you know, a, a little piece well, if, if a character succeeds and is used in other media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That, that incentive program does not include editors. Now, nor do I think for the most part that, that it should include editors. You know, I would say 99.9% of the time, it is the creators who come up with the new characters and they deserve everything they have coming to them. This was an example of, this was the exception, where I came out of that office after talking to Tom, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And this is where earlier I said I thought the cost, I thought the black and white costume looked like a villain. So I thought, ah, you know, and Glenn Herdling was my uh, assistant. He remembers all this. He said, we'll, we'll make... We'll put some big guy <laughs> yeah. in that alien costume, and that will be the new villain. Because we were already doing this, you know, ch- going back to the red and blue costume. Why not, you know, sticking with this whole costume theme, uh, make this the villain? And we probably, you know, we didn't think we were actually going to succeed in creating a major new villain. We were not, you know, we, we were just trying to solve the problem that we had. Let me have a little drink. Yeah. But issue 300, I mean, you, you were presented with a problem, but it's a classic. One of my all time favorite issues, honestly. Thank you. Uh, and well, um, just, to, it, wor- yeah. it worked. <laughs> well, just to clarify what I was saying, not to take anything away from Mr. Michelotti. Yeah is that the idea for the villain was mine. 
Did I come up with Venom? Not necessarily. Uh, but I sort of said, this is, this is what happened. And uh, David at one point was planning to bring back the, you know, actually have a female. You know, he'd been planting those little panels and web spider. With yeah, the pushing, but, yeah. He was going to have a female in a costume. Now, I knew <laughs> that Tom would not go for that. You know, don't ask me how, but I, I think yeah, if, if you're working for someone, you, 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 you get a handle on what they like and what they don't like, and particularly when, I, when you agree with them. And I thought if it was just another story and, and just another issue of Web of Spider-Man, having a female in a costume was a great idea. Nothing wrong with that. But for this, now it's the 300th issue, and the editor-in-chief wants a major new Spider-Man villain. Well, having Spider-Man, uh, you know, beat up a female version of himself, uh, I knew it wouldn't go down well with Tom or me. And uh, But I figured I owed it to, to David. So I went back to see Tom. I said, what do you think of this? David was planning to do this. And, and Tom, you know, it's like what they say about lawyers who don't ask questions unless they know what the answer is going to be. Right. And Tom just said, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, make it, you know, some really big guy who, you know, because, you know, that's just your basic, Yeah. how do you, how do you create villains? You want yeah. them to be a real scary threat. threat. The best villains are the ones you think, you know, there's no way the hero's going to win. You know, they're going to get clobbered. They're going to get killed. They can't survive this. And so that much was my contribution. Right. And then I handed it off to uh, David Michelinie. He's the one who named the character, even though there was a previous Venom in the Black Panther with two M's. And, oh. uh, and, uh, and he, he decided who would be in the costume. I mean, he did all the, you know, he developed it, you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, and, and deserves all the credit. He's the, and to, by the time it was given to Todd McFarlane, it was pretty much well-developed. It could have gone to any other artist, but Todd deserved tremendous credit for making this character, you know, as scary and menacing looking as, as he did. You know, I give, you know, these guys did all the work. I just thought, hey, this would be a cool idea. So over the years, <laughs> I mean, we were joking before about the, all sorts of other projects, but yeah. this, is, this is the one where if I, if I get my way and I haven't given up yet, I would prefer, you know, like say in a Venom movie, it said Spider uh, Venom was created by David Michelinie and Todd McFarlane with Jim Zalakrup. I, 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 it, it's just, to me, that would be fair. I don't want to take a penny away from either David or Todd, uh, but I feel that's how this character, you know, came to be. And it's, and it's been so successful that uh, yeah. it's just kind of irritating for me. Not that I, I, I'm living in poverty or anything like that. I'm doing quite right. well. Yeah. But uh, 
I remember. But the fact is, you had a hand in the creation. I mean, if you, exactly. if 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 all the people that were in the kitchen, if they didn't do a part, you wouldn't have an ama- literally an amazing issue. Yeah, Venom I mean, and, uh, maybe yeah. Tom deserves credit as well. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, you know, it needs to be <laughs> worked out, and uh, you know, fairly. Again, I I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone was plotting against me, you know, to deprive me of this. I just think it's it's the result of a system that wasn't designed to accommodate someone who wasn't, you know, you know, either the writer or artist on, on the comic book. So, you know, it's a, it's an exception that I think uh, I'll and say at no the, more. At the end, you got, everybody got their wish. The red and blues are back. Yeah. <laughs> they, came, well, they came back. Yeah. There was one day I was uh, going to work. Uh, I was editor-in-chief of Paper Cuts, and it was almost like the opening credits of Sex in the City where I come out of the subway, I look across the street, and the whole back of a newsstand is advertising for the Venom movie. And then as oh, yeah. I'm waiting on the corner, waiting for the light to change so I could cross the street and go to work, a right. bus pulls in front of me. The whole side of the bus says Venom. <laughs> You know, for the promoting the first movie, and I'm just thinking, right. Well, that's know, what I, I often. That's what I, I, don't, often, I don't even get the free toys or anything, and I'm getting absolutely. I mean, one could argue, and, and I'm not saying I have any legal claim to Venom. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, Marvel owns it. I was an editor. I was working for them. They own whatever I came up with. That's that was the deal. I understand that. I just sort of think. You know, should I not get anything other than that one paycheck for that week I came up with it? Uh, it seems to me they, you know. I've often they- wondered about Steve Ditko when he left his apartment. And he you can't go very far without seeing Spider-Man somewhere. You know, and I wondered what he always thought of, of seeing Spider-Man anywhere. It sounds like you and Venom also have a similar uh, thing. He, uh, I can't, I, I would never dare speak for Steve Ditko, uh, yeah. but I, I do have, uh, uh, a rare claim to fame in that I got to be in the meeting, just the three of us with, uh, Stanley and Steve Ditko before I left Marvel. Oh, wow. What was that like? It was wonderful. It was a fan yeah. dream come true. And, uh, just to give you, what had happened was um, Tom was the editor-in-chief, and uh, he had, uh, for some reason or other, I don't know, they wanted, uh, I guess they wanted to make use of Stan Lee, who was still, you know, working for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they figured maybe he could come up with new characters or a new line of comics, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, all well-intended. And uh, because whether it was through Marvel Age or I'd been there so long or Stan and I were friends, you know, it was decided uh, uh, by Tom that I I would be in in charge of whatever this new thing would be. Right. And which I thought was silly from the outset. I thought, uh, you know, Stan Lee didn't need my help creating the Marvel (laughs) Universe the first time around. I don't think he'll need my help this time either. But, you know. Tom works in mysterious ways and, you know, he had his reasons. So 
I was happy, you know, I wasn't going to fight it because I enjoyed the opportunity whenever I had, you know, to work with Stan. And um, we, you know, the first person that uh, Stan had come up with a character, which I guess later turned into Ravage. Yeah, I, I think I've heard about this. What, what uh, the original pitch of 2099 was Ditko was supposed to come back and work with Stan on Ravage or something like, or something of those two together. Is that well, what, not what, well. the original uh, Tom was very, and I applaud him for this. Uh, he recognized the, the contributions of, of certain artists and, and felt they should always have work at Marvel. And the first one was Herb Trimpey. And Tom's, uh, I don't think was, you know, that familiar with what Stan wanted at that point, because uh, he probably wouldn't have suggested it. At, uh, but, you know, Stan was quite clear to me that he was looking like for a Judge Dredd type character. He wanted something. He, he didn't want to go backwards. He wanted, you know, some, you know, if he could get a, a Brian Ballin type artist, that's, you know, something with a much more futuristic contemporary look. And uh, Herb did some samples. They were all great. They were, you know, wonderful stuff by Herb. And, you know, and, and Stan felt awful about it because he, he had to reject it. And Herb was not too thrilled with that either. So then Tom said, well, why did you ask Steve Ditko? Awesome. Now, they, I, I don't know. Have they have they met since the sixties? I want, was this the first time they met again? I don't know if it was the first time, but they certainly hadn't met in years. Right. And, uh, and in the back of my mind at that point, I actually was entertaining thoughts of leaving Marvel. I, I had ultimately been there for twenty years. And after the success of Spider-Man number one, which, as I was talking about earlier, you know, being competitive, wanting to make Spider-Man a big success, you know, after that, you know, when people were talking about Marvel from a sales point of view, they were saying, well, Marvel has X-Men and Spider-Man and everything else. And, <laughs> you know, my plan was to, you know, it would probably take us seven years to overtake uh the X-Men, but we wound up doing it in just uh, about three years. So, you know, once you sort of, you know, it, it was sort of a, a chance for me to apply whatever thoughts and ideas I had at how comics works. And, you know, if I could, you know, I mean, it's uh, how hard it, I mean, it, it seems like it would be simple, but the reality was, you know, Spider-Man wasn't close to X-Men sales for many years, even though he was in several titles, X-Men was king. So being able to overtake it was something, you know, I attribute to all the guys uh, and, and everyone who was working on Spider-Man with me at that time, my assistants, the writers, you know, bringing Jerry Conway back, every single person, Sal Buscema was giving his all, penciling and yep. inking, you know, uh, and it was just, a great, great team effort uh, uh, and all involved. And one of the key things that I, that was part of my plan was to try to recreate, you know, those solid teams on each book that you knew 
month after month if you were reading any one of those titles. You know, this one is uh, Michelinie and McFarland. This one is Conway and uh, Yusema. This one is Conway and uh, Alex Saviak and Keith Williams. You know, Rick Parker lettering all the books because uh, how can you not have Spider-Man's dad letter all the books? But uh, <laughs> And even... Nice. Uh, Bob Sharon was coloring everything. And, you know, it was like we wanted a consistent, you know, we wanted Spider-Man to be Spider-Man in all the books, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we succeeded. So anyhow, I was thinking, oh, well, I've, I've done that now. <laughs> Where do you go from there? And Marvel had nothing to do with the any of the names you would be familiar with, but Marvel was becoming more and more corporate. And even when I launched uh, Spider-Man, uh, the Todd McFarlane uh, title, uh, you know, they actually asked me to do a new project memo because they were just becoming more and more, pro you know, corporate. I, you know, and, and up until then, you know, I was there from 72 to 92. And in the early days, all he ever had to do was ask whoever was in charge, whether it was Stan, Roy, Archie, Marv, Len, you know, Shooter, DeFalco, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you could get an answer instantly. And I'm someone who always was bursting with lots of ideas. So I had, it was no, they didn't have to be gentle. You know, like, can we do this? No. Can we do that? No. Can we do this? Yeah. Oh, great. You know, and I was happy, you know, so... So having had that freedom to do everything I did and get to the, I, I refuse to do a, if, if you don't think a, a new Spider-Man comic uh, by Todd McFarlane is going to do well, then, you know, why, why am I even trying? Yeah. And uh, so someone else, I think Carol Kalish filled it out. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, I was at a point where I, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll be moving on. And, but how can I go before having a meeting with Stanley and Steve Ditko? I mean, I've been right. Ditko famously, I mean, he would come into the Marvel offices and uh, Stan was on the West coast and, you know, he got along with lots of the people at Marvel. It was no, he was doing work at Marvel back then. Uh, when I uh, started uh, talking to him, uh, it was interesting. I felt I had to establish my own identity. I, I think of, remember when he was uh, did the Hulk and Tales to Astonish, there were those mm -hmm. pink robots and they all look alike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's how he viewed the Marvel editorial staff. <laughs> <laughs> bunch of little in robots, fact, yeah. Or, or perhaps even the mindless ones from Doctor Strange, a bunch of guys uh, yeah. just fighting with each other with ray blasts coming out of their eyes so because when i spoke to him the first time he he addressed his replies were like well you guys all think this <laughs> and it was something i did not think <laughs> right so i had to no uh with all due respect i do not think that here's what i think and after a few encounters like that i think he began to recognize me as an individual Imagine that. And <laughs> so we, he had a, a, a dry sense of humor that I appreciated. And so the challenge was 
I was editing mostly Spider-Man comics. Uh-huh. And uh, he famously said he didn't want to do Spider-Man anymore. Right. So, well, there's a challenge for you. And so, if you recall, on some of the annuals, I managed to slip him in. Doing- you did with that speedball, the ASM 22 annual. When and I saw that it... When I saw that there's a Steve Ditko in there, I'm like, can he, can he draw it, please? Yeah. It, there was plenty. There was, uh, I think, an Ant-Man story he did and uh, uh, a Captain Universe story. We did backups in the annuals. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, there was one annual, I think, I, I had people in just one annual. We had, like, uh, Stan Lee, Gil Kane, Steve Ditko, Ross Andrew. <laughs> You know, uh, Jerry Conway, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it was like uh, I always tried to embrace, you know, the creators who had, uh, you know, came before and, you know, get them back whenever I could. And, uh, you know, you saw how many times I tried to use, uh, I used uh, John Romita Sr. So. Was Ditko just didn't seem like he wanted it. Nothing that was pitched to him. He wanted to sign up for it sounds like. He did lots of things. He was doing all sorts of books. Well, I, meant, I meant with Stan Lee to come back. No, I don't think the, any yeah. other Stan Lee things uh, yeah. were pitched to him. And I, I don't uh, agree with that. Uh, what I had the meeting. Yeah. And to set up the meeting, I had to call Steve to ask him to come in because it was going to be uh, in the Marvel offices. And. Some of what I'm going to say is true, and I'll label that, and some of it is complete fantasy in my imagination. Okay. <laughs> the true part was I called him up, and I explained, you know, that Stan Lee is a new character he wants to do, and he'd like to, love to have a meeting with you to see if you'd be interested in doing it. Would you be willing to come in on such and such a date? That's the true part. Also true, there was a sudden pause, you know, like some silence. He's considering this. Here's the make-believe part, the fantasy part. In my mind, I imagine Ditko had a word balloon, a thought balloon <laughs> over his head, and he was thinking, he's finally come crawling back. <laughs> <laughs> I even got crawl in there. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the, the synergy here. <laughs> so, no, he said, he just said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll you know, when you want me to come in, I'll, I'll do it. And, and, uh, cool. and then, you know, the two of them were there. I was there, and they. It was a mutual admiration uh, society cool. where they absolutely had total respect for each other. You know, there was you know like fans like to imagine there's all these feuds and hatred and all that. There, you know, it's like families could have disagreements, and you know, and then it could look like, uh, oh my gosh, you know, you, you see a. A bitter argument, you know, like they assume, oh, these guys must hate each other. They'll never talk to each other ever again. Then you see them two days later and they're hugging and they're dudes made up. Yeah. Um, it, so it's well, sad. let me finish it. Oh, and, oh sorry. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. You know, and uh, so basically what happened was, you know, Stan outlined what he you know, wanted to do, you know, this futuristic uh, garbage man and, uh, and this, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of grim post-apocalyptic future. And and Steve uh, sort of politely turned it down with a reason. 
which I, if you if you're at all aware of Steve's work, it made perfect sense. And I, I knew he'd say something like this, which was, you know, he wanted to do a more. He was open, in other words, to doing a project with Stan, if it had a more positive view of the future. And he gave Star Trek as an example of what he was talking yeah. about. And I think if I was going to be staying at Marvel, I would have pursued that. You know, I would have, you know, because I, I, it was like right there. You know, like, you know, Stan, you know, like uh, Steve uh, is wants to, is, has no problem with working with you again, but it has to be a project like this. And, you know, Stan could turn out a million ideas that would fit that without any problem. It's just that he was obsessed at that point with that character. So after, uh, you know, Stan failed to convince, uh, you know, Steve to do it, he figured he'd go for broke. And he said, why don't we do another Spider-Man graphic co you know, novel? And we'll, we'll, we'll make a fortune. And, uh, and Steve, you know, like, again, very politely declined and, and Stan, like, why, why? And uh, he, Steve said more or less that, and I totally understood it, that at this point in time, he could never care as much about Spider-Man as he did back when he was doing it. So he's more than happy to work on a gazillion other projects. Uh, he just doesn't want to touch Spider-Man again. And that just hurts as a fan to not have a, another Spider-Man and Stan Lee and Steve Ditko Spider-Man comic, but. I well, I, I think it was a good decision. Actually, I, agree. I, I think uh, you can't. You can't. Did. Yeah, you can't go back and the genie's out of the bottle. You can't put it back in. All those things, etc. I have taken two hours of your time. I, I just want to a couple more questions that, uh, before we wrap it up. If yeah, I don't want to take too much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the uh, we hit on a little bit. I I can't not in the interview talk about the book that you were just talking about a little briefly. Uh, adjectiveless, as they always call it, adjectiveless Spider-Man number one. How two million? I think were printed of this. Is that right? Three, three something. Three million, and it was the Guinness Book of World Record for until X-Men came out the next summer, I think. So Todd was Todd. He actually about had limitations on it. Well, tell me about it this. Was like the newsstand edition was limited. To two two hundred and fifty thousand copies. Oh wow! So, you know, and and that's probably what Amazing was selling at the time. So, the sales department, and I figure, well, you know, <laughs> what the hell? Uh, as for the title, I had a, a, a tremendous fun in the office for weeks before it was officially announced. Mm -hmm. uh, well, just to give you the background first. Yeah. Uh, Todd's a great guy. We, we hit it off tremendously. You know, all the creators I was working with, everyone, you know, my assistants, my, the colorists, the letterers, the pencilers, the inkers. It was a wonderful, you know, group. We were all, I think, excited and enjoying what we were doing and, and trying our best. Whether we succeeded or not, that's for everyone else to decide. But we sort of felt if we weren't having fun, how can anyone possibly enjoy? If we didn't like it, how can anyone else like it? So we were just having a, a tremendous amount of fun. So uh, Todd McFarlane 
when he first started penciling, after, you know, similarly to what I described happened to him on uh, Batman Year Two, you know, when Bob McLeod was inking Todd, he, being, a, you know, a very good professional artist, you know, of a certain type of school, you know, more like from the Neil Adams school of uh, artists, you know, saw all the, a lot of the drawing flaws that, you know, legitimately are there in Todd's work and felt, ah, it's my job to fix it up, make it look better. And uh, you can imagine how Todd reacted to that. Not that Bob was wrong, but he felt this is not, you know, I want it to look a certain way. And, and, you know, I don't want it to look like Neil Adams. I want it to look like Mm me. And uh, he was hoping maybe he could get Terry Austin to be his anchor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I figured, you know, Todd, (laughs) (laughs) Was everything I was trying to do was to, you know, pretty much less is more. You know, I didn't want if if I could have had only one writer on all the Spider-Man books, I would have had just one writer. You know, if I could have had just one artist, if I could have, you know, if it was up to me, there'd just be amazing Spider-Man coming out on a weekly basis. That would be ideal for me. I never liked the idea of all these multiple books. So not in a million years that I think I would be wanting to add another title. What happened at one point when Todd was still working on Amazing Spider-Man, he looked at what Marvel was publishing in its epic line. And he saw they had better paper. They had a better, you know, color reproduction, et cetera. And he was like totally you know, mystified, like, how come a big title like Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> has right. such crappy printing and, and et cetera, <laughs> you know, whereas those books over at Epic that, you know, hardly sell anything at all, you know, are, are like just beautiful and, uh, and look great. And uh, I thought, well, that's a good question. Let me go look into that. Uh, and I spoke with Marvel's then uh, director of direct sales, uh, Carol Kalish, and it was very enlightening. And she explained to me that, uh, you know, I sort of mentioned it early on, that mm-hmm. Marvel wanted to keep, you know, their mainstream newsstand comics as affordable as possible. And that meant, you know, whereas the Epic stuff was almost exclusively sold to the direct market and therefore they could charge more and then afford to go for the, you know, better printing, better color, et cetera. Computer color was the new big thing back then. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, that explains it. I could relay that to Todd. And as I was walking away from Carol, I remember she added, now, if you want to do another Spider-Man title (laughs) that we could just market, let me know. And at that point, point in time i had no interest in adding another title yeah flash forward to where todd has has been inking the book for a while and he now he's 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 like getting restless creatively and he's a good guy so he wasn't ever advocating to push anyone out he never said 
you know, you listen to the fan press, they make them out to be, you know, I demand my own title and, or, you know, get, you know, no, he recognized that David Michelinie was the writer on the book. So he never, ever either implied or asked, you know, like get rid of him and I'll write it myself. Nothing like that ever happened from his point of view. He figured what should happen, and probably a lot of fans agreed with him at, you know, later, is that he should, in order to learn how to write, maybe do a backup and you know, and, or, or or write the lowest selling comic Marvel has, or 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 maybe even at a different company, just so he could learn how to write. So faced with Todd McFarlane leaving, right. And, you know, suddenly all the other <laughs> editors in the business are trying to recruit him. Yeah. You know, at some point, I remembered what Carol had said. If you want to do another Spider-Man, you know, comic with the good printing, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, aha. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it when she first proposed it. But, you know, as as a, and it was another factor that led into it. You know, it was under, always under a lot of pressure to create more Spider-Man trade paperbacks, uh, reprinting, you know, the old material. But a lot of that was so continuity heavy that, you know, a lot of stories, it would be like 25 issues you'd have to publish in one book. Right. So maybe if there was a new Spider-Man title that sort of had more self-contained, like six issue, five issue stories mm-hmm. that would feed the need for these, uh, trade paperbacks and you know having it done by one of the most popular spider-man artists would would seem like a a good bet and very trade friendly yeah and not to disparage any of the other writers uh any writers at all but my my thoughts were you know so much of comics is visual not that artists are more important than writers not by any stretch of the imagination but what I noticed about Todd and and everything he did is that you could try to write the dullest scene in the world. And if you give it to Todd, he'll make it pop and make it seem exciting and, and, you know, dynamic. And you, you gotta, you know, you can't resist looking at it. You know, there are those who are more traditional art guys who, you know, fault Todd for, you know, his anatomy or, his, you know, all sorts of things that I don't think fans care that much about. Right. You know, I think they wanted uh, something that looked cool. And I thought it looked Todd, cool. Todd was a genius at drawing stuff that looked cool. And I Absolutely. thought that's got to be it. You know, I'll work with them. I could, you know, uh, you know, uh, help them, you know, with, with the writing. Uh, you know, do what I could, uh, yeah. like with any other, you know, writers, artists I work with. And uh, that was the idea. And uh, it, it must be challenging after that first issue sold so well. It it's, must be like printing money. And do you not, you don't want to change it too much if it's working. You know, I mean, you were lightning in the bottle right out of the gate with that thing. I I think what was happening is Spider-Man yeah. for years had been ga- gathering more and more interest. Yeah. You know, uh, certainly you could, you know, the all three Spider-Man titles 
we're climbing up the charts. We were already in hot pursuit, getting very close. I think, you know, before Spider-Man number one, I think uh, the Spider-Man titles were just below in the sales in the X-Men books. So we were getting there. We were very close to, you know, uh, uh, doing that. And that was all the books. I mean, uh, there was, you know, there was great interest in, in the Tombstone storyline. There was, uh, you know, people loved the, uh, you know, you know, the Craven's Last Hunt. We were doing so many things that was uh, garnering interest in Spider-Man uh, that people were, were paying attention now. It became like, Oh, what are they going to do next, etc. So it was building organically. And uh, I explained why I wanted to do this other title. Uh, and I had a lot of fun for weeks before it was announced, uh, as we were about to say before, uh, just asking people in the offices, guess what the new Spider-Man title is going to be called? And they all <laughs> you know, would say, Oh, the astonishing Spider-Man, the invincible, Spider-Man, whatever it was, you know, no, no, no. And uh, they give up and uh, I'd say, Spider-Man. <laughs> just Spider-Man? Because, you know, there at that point, there hadn't ever been a Spider-Man number one. You know, it was amazing Spider-Man number one and spectacular or Peter Parker and the web of, but Never your man. Did the fans come up with adjectiveless, or did is that what you used to call it at the at the the people? Yeah, I don't know who came up with it first, but uh, you know, you know, there was that. I mean, I uh, uh, and it made sense. They were trying to be precise, and you know, uh, either that or they call it Todd McFarlane Spider Man, which was a a little weird, but uh, I understood (laughs) that. And uh, but the idea was. you know, we had so much momentum going with Todd on Amazing. And it was Todd who suggested Eric Larson, who I thought was great, and we were happy to go with him. Eric's contribution to uh, Venom was to elongate his tongue. Uh, yep. And uh, so everyone was involved very heavily. And uh, so this was a, a way to keep you know, someone who was so instrumental in helping us uh, make Spider-Man more successful that we just, you know, figured, I figured as an editor, you know, we can make this work, you know. uh, uh, And uh, there were, you know, like there was a, uh, I think Jerry Conway at one point, I think uh, we may have been considering having him script it. Hmm. And he turned it down, which he's told me many times he's regretted that decision. <laughs> that would have been a good check and a, a good residual check, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, it, I, I think it was important to, uh, you know, good or bad. I, I, I think a lot of non-Spider-Man fans you know, didn't know what to make of this, or particularly the people who weren't crazy about Venom or Todd or what have you. So over the years, I've heard all sorts of things trying to uh, dismiss the success of oh, Spider-Man. Oh, I mean, oh, well, there were so many variant covers, you know. Well, they've done lots of Spider-Man number one since. <laughs> yeah. you have, know. Did, did you have any say as the editor what, 
or was that the sales team? Like, we need a bagged, we need a silver, we need a green, we need a gold. Or did, is that all the sales team? There was no. Uh, yes and no. I mean, um, yeah. I wanted, I was doing a, uh, a one of those promotional comics that uh, we talked about earlier. And this one was called, uh, it was done for the band uh, Cheap Trick. Okay. They wanted to have a, a comic that was going to be distributed to radio stations to plug their new album. And Marvel was doing it, you know, and, you know, and uh, I like the idea of, you know, like uh, calling it a cheap promotional trick. And I figured, how can they not want to have their free comic bagged with Spider-Man number one? And they weren't interested. So, but I proposed bagging it because... You know, I had seen magazines, regular magazines doing things where buy this and you get a free whatever, you know, bagged in with the comic. And uh, I thought, you know, and just the idea of calling it cheap trick, I just thought this would be a, a fun thing to do. But, you know, then 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 the, the bag stayed and then the thing that was the whole point of the bag was was you know didn't work out i mean that book was uh you know published and uh you know june did a, a beautiful job on the art and uh it, it was great but so oh okay it's in a bag you know I, it, like it's one of these things if you work anywhere and you've heard me you know go on and on already uh you know, you have to be willing to compromise with a lot of things. You know, you know, you may have an initial plan. They may go for it, and then it doesn't come out the way you want it. You, you just go with it. You know, it's like, okay, you know, what the heck. But it wasn't uh, necessarily the sales department. I think it's just something that was proposed. They agreed, and then I was stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that is such an icon. When you saw that cover come in what did you think of that uh issue one that is such an iconic cover well let's see if you're aware of this i bet you are brad okay uh, but do you know why there's a question mark on the cover uh because he lost track of how many spiders he put on the cover did yeah. you always count them yeah well wh where that came from is uh, uh earlier you had another panel that had felix the cat in it yep you know, that was something he was putting in every issue, uh, you know, because there was a fan once in a comic book store that uh, Todd encountered who, who said, I buy any comic that has Felix the Cat in it. So Todd said, okay, I'm guaranteed yep. one sale. Uh, but sort of similar to what Playboy was doing on the covers where they would uh, hide uh, the bunny head. Yeah. And they would never acknowledge it. I mean, if you figured it out, you notice that they would sort of reveal where it was on the contents page, but they would never say, here's where the bunny head is. They would just <laughs> sort of prop the cover in a way where, where it was, and you'd be able to figure it out. So we never officially said, oh, Todd's hiding spiders on the cover. And then when Todd added more than one spider on a cover, 
I borrowed, uh, I gave Todd uh, the uh, idea of the, the, the cartoonist uh, Hirschfeld, who was the theater illustrator for the New York Times, who would hide his daughter's name, Nina, in his uh, illustrations, usually in women's hair, you know, N-I-N-I, you know, it worked very easily that way. And Got a couple of images of Felix, by the way. He's on the donut box back here. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> And Todd even did a cover for Felix the Cat comics. Oh, and, that's funny. And, uh, but so whenever there was more than one Nina in Hirschfeld's illustrations, <laughs> he would put a number under his signature because yeah. frustrated Nina finders would write to the New York Times. They didn't know, well, how many are there? You know, before he put a number, there might be three or so. And, uh, so he, as a result, under his name, if there was ever more than one Nina, he would put the number. So this was the culmination of all those covers where, you know, he, he, he just, you know, there, there we have a, a gazillion there uh, fighters. There, there's, the, there's the question mark right under his signature. You always had yep, like a number. Yep. yep. Right there. That's so awesome. Um, what's it uh, to wrap it up a little bit? What you, that I've worn you out. No, <laughs> by the way, chat, if you want to ask some questions before we wrap it up, I want to um, ha give you guys an opportunity Extend to ask the Jim show some another questions. two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Toilet paper to number one issues, etc. Looking back on your time with Spider Man, uh, what, 20, 20 plus years with the character, and you had Most, yeah. such contributions to it. Uh, is it a fond memory for you? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember. You know, my office didn't look that different from uh, your wherever you are there. You yeah, know, this, I is my, to, this is my crawl space. Yeah, <laughs> I would go to uh, flea markets and what have you and buy yeah. any Spider-Man, uh, you know, merchandise, paraphernalia, paraphernalia that I could find and decorate my office with it, you know, because I was totally into it. And uh, it also had the effect of whatever news crews would come up to the Marvel offices they wanted to find a place that looked like a comic book company. So they'd always choose my office to film it, nice. which was you know, an added benefit, you know, but I just uh, enjoyed it tremendously. And then I remember someone uh, on staff at Marvel looking at my office and thinking, Oh my gosh, you know, like, uh, you know, what'll happen if, uh, you know, you're no longer editing Spider-Man. They imagine I'd be like heartbroken and, uh, uh, you know, just, you know, my whole life would be worthless. And, <laughs> and, and uh, my feeling was, uh, you know, whatever character I was given, I would try to do the same thing with. I, I try to give it my all and make it as successful and as popular as, as possible. And, uh, and even when I left Marvel, my, uh, uh, association with Spider-Man, you know, seems to continue to this day. Uh, I mean, I, I I didn't think after leaving Marvel that I'd be working with Stan Lee ever again, but I got to be a senior writer-editor at Stan Lee Media, where, you know, how much fun is that? Uh, and we did all sorts of things, uh, uh, including my ghosting the... Uh, that dreaded Spider-Man strip for a, a sequence before Roy Thomas took over as Stan's yep. ghost on it. So, 
you know, and, and there would be more and more stuff. Uh, you know, I, I can never escape Spider-Man. He's, he's, he's been a part, a big part of my life and I, I enjoy it, but you know, it, I, I also enjoy everything else I, I've worked on uh, since. And, uh, you know, I, I just love comics in general. Yeah. Uh, Matt has a question and, and I, I guarantee you, I know this answer. Do you like a married or a single Spider-Man? I like both. I, I, yeah. I, uh, uh, I felt, you know, Oh, what I was getting at before, um, when we did parallel lives, right. Uh, you know, there, that was sort of our mission state. That's what we thought, uh, the relationship between MJ and, and, and Spider-Man was all about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when, after I left, and I'd hear these rumors, you know, like they were, you know, all sorts of, you know, we're going to get rid of Mary Jane. We're going to bump her off or write her out of the strip or, you know, like they, they didn't know. They, there are so many people who were convinced at Marvel that the marriage was a horrible idea. And they were going to figure, figure out some way to get rid of it. So I think I was at the, the screening would stand uh, for uh, the Spider-Man movie. Uh-huh. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, the first line we see Spider-Man chasing after the school bus. Oh yeah. And, and it focuses on Mary Jane who's inside mm-hmm. and the voiceover is Spider-Man's saying, this is a story about a girl. Mm. And the movie just sort of like, embraced Mary Jane, you know, and saw her as being so vital to, uh, you know, what, what Spider-Man was about, uh, you know, when, when I was editing it. And uh, so that was incredibly satisfying. And, uh, and I felt wonderful about that, but you know, the truth is uh, everyone's entitled to do, you know, what they want to do. And, you know, and I have respect for all the different versions and, and what have you. I mean, now there's a, literally a whole spider verse and, uh, I know. Yeah. You can I have your 31 flavors of Spider-Man or even more than 31 if you want. Yeah. Well, it, it's just, you know, like there, there's the challenge of a character that appears in so many titles, mm-hmm. uh, is that, you know, how do you deliver what fans want without being dull and having it be the same stuff over and over again. The, the risk is you'll do something that's so different that the fans will reject it. You know, it's not Spider-Man. We don't like this. We don't like that. But almost anything that's happened, uh, you know, Clone Wars may have been despised when it was coming out. Now you have fans who probably think it's the best stories ever. Well, the divisive thing was the breaking up of the marriage. I mean, that really sp- split Spider-Man fans uh, when he made the deal with the devil. And I don't think the community has recovered since. I think it's been split ever since on that. Well, I think it was Grant Morrison who who, who said that each individual comic book is its own universe. So, <laughs> you know, there are plenty. You know, You pick the comics you like, you know. You could you could read uh, Spider Girl, where you know uh, Peter and Mary Jane were still married. Uh, uh, on and on. I I wouldn't be surprised. Anything's still possible. 
So, uh, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I can't say I was crazy about uh, uh, Peter making that deal. Right. Uh, but you never know. I mean, there, there's always, uh, you know, there's always been controversies. And, uh, you know, I look at the current books and, you know, they're, they're incredibly different from what I would be doing, which is not to say they're, you know, they're not good. You know, I, I think there are echoes of, of everything. Every, you know, when we did uh, Craven's Last Hunt, you know, we didn't even a, touch on that. That's a classic. I love that one. There was a scene when when Spider Man's coming out of the uh, you know, his grave. Uh, you know, he's reflecting on Mary Jane and all that. And uh, and I mentioned it at, on a panel uh, for the 30th anniversary of that story at a convention that yeah we were all reunited on. And uh, I said, uh, you know, that reminded me of the most classic scene when Spider-Man was under all that rubble and he was yeah, like, lifted. Oh yeah. Being a Van mm-hmm. Man. And yeah. uh, so there are, you know, these things sort of echo in different ways. The Mattis who was on the panel said, Oh, I, I never thought of that before. And I, uh, I haven't thought of that either. That's good. That's good. And similarly with uh, also in Craven's last hunt, there, there are scenes where, you know, what Craven's trying to do is prove to himself that he is a superior Spider-Man, which years later, yeah, Doc Ock, yeah, yeah, uh, where I don't know how many issues that was, but it was <laughs> like five, six hundred or something. Yeah, hey, you mentioned you mentioned Spider Girl, and the biggest Spider Girl fan I know is Kelly, who's also on our show, and she has a question about this wedding dress, and and we've had we've asked Defalco about this, we've asked Peter David about this. Uh, what happened to this dress? Uh, we don't the, la- the latest we know is we think it got stolen somewhere. Do you know what happened to that wedding dress? I have no idea. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, the, the designer uh, passed away not long like after Willie, that. Willie something, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it may have even been Willie Smith, but uh, I, I can't remember. I think but, that's right, uh, yeah. And uh, no... No, no connection to Will Smith, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had, um, I got to, uh, uh, prepare the actress, uh, who played, uh, Mary Jane at the, uh, ball game, yeah. uh, the wedding at Shea stadium, uh, during the Mets game. She was very nice and she, she was great. Uh, you know, Stan officiated. So, you know, there was all these Spider-Man weddings. Uh, uh it, it, it was just, you know, I, I think what happens is that some people would would who should know better would believe stuff and 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 I and I don't want to you know color their they may have other reasons but you know they strongly believe Spider-Man should be a teenager you know that's that's yeah. the winning formula that's you know you you're insane to break away from that and whenever I would listen to those arguments you know, none of it would make any sense to me. It's like what one of the things the fans liked early on was, you know, uh, well, should he have never graduated high school? I mean, should he just be like uh, Archie, Brown. you know, but the college graduation, all this stuff, you know, were things that people liked. And I think the wedding was a return to that mm-hmm. progress. I mean, how many stories were they, you know, uh, 
I, you know, I didn't like the feel of Peter Parker uh, before the the wedding issues, where, you know, it was just it, it, he was supposed to be, and I thought he was supposed to be a smart guy, yeah, you know, and for him to be recycling the same problems over and over again, he can't pay his rent, he, you know, this that the other thing, was. I think hurting the character, my, my opinion, you know, it was just, you know, um, one of the things that really went against uh, <laughs> what everyone wanted for Peter Parker was uh, I wanted to give him a real honeymoon in the sense of not literally the, his honeymoon, but a period of time where he's actually happy. Mm. You know, I mean, I think, yeah, you know, like that'd people, be different. <laughs> well, he had reason, you know, you, you know, uh, but, you know, still give him, you know, a, a new, uh, uh, new challenges, new personal problems, new, you know, there was uh, so much more potential that I don't think we were able to even get to before it was all done away with. And, uh, I feel that's unfortunate, but, uh, again, you know, there's plenty, I myself, <laughs> there's, there's plenty to criticize, you know, uh, uh, you know, on, on the books that I, I worked on and, you know, you know, I could have done better in a million different ways, but because of the, the nature of the comic book business, you're always having to produce these things on an ongoing basis. And, and if you make a wrong decision, you're sort of stuck with it for a while, but, but I, I enjoyed what we were doing. I enjoyed working with the people we were with. You know, the wedding is something I, I, I was uh, mm -hmm. felt strongly about in a positive sense. But as I said earlier, you know, I would have handled so much, so, so much of how it happened very differently. Now, that doesn't mean I'm right. Uh, it, it's just that, you know, that, that's, uh, that was my opinion. Right. We got... Uh, question from Didymus. He's asking a couple times. I'm going to put it up. Uh, is it true that you wanted Venom to be a bodybuilder because you didn't think it was credible for a regular person to fight Spidey just wearing the alien? I think that was, I mean, I, I think Tom and I just wanted a, a much bigger guy. Right. And I think uh, the specifics of the bodybuilding came from uh, David Michelinie. Okay. You know, you know, like he, he, I guess the character he chose, he, he wanted to bulk him up some more to, to fulfill what we were asking for. Uh, and I think to wrap it up, I think this is a fun one. Uh, Vinkman says that there's a Taylor Swift concert happening 15 minutes away from him and he can hear it in the distance, but this interview has been more entertaining. <laughs> If I knew I had to compete with Taylor, I would have uh, 15 different outfits to wear. <laughs> I would have worn my black costume, my red and blue costume. There you go. Um, Taylor's wonderful. And, uh, you know, she's uh, she would make a good Mary Jane, actually. Yeah. Uh, Jim, what do we what can we look for you doing now? What What's in the future for you? You writing the book. You told me about the book. Let's just stick with that. I, I okay. uh I, I'm uh, appearing at lots of conventions. If yep. people uh, want any of their uh, comics uh, autographed or what have you, uh, you could go to um, uh, 
you can just Google Jim Salakrup uh, CGC signatures. I, I did one of those events uh, last year with them, and they've uh, you know increased the price. <laughs> you know they'll you know you send them your comics and an outrageous fee, and they'll send it back either with um, just my signature or maybe a, a lousy drawing on it as well, encased in plastic and all that kind of stuff and graded by them. Or you could see me at a convention and I do it, I'll sign it a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the reasons I said earlier again. But uh, um, that's that's definitely something I'm doing. I got a lot of conventions planned this year and, and there's a lot of projects I'm working on um, one thing I'm also looking forward to is uh, from Mighty Marvel is that uh, uh, Marvel Age uh, omnibus. Yes, uh, you know, I I don't think they had the original. You know, I don't think Marvel thought it was worth saving the 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 proofs or the the you know, the film on those. So I think they had to scan it. You know, from and the original uh, books, yeah, original comic books, which is yeah. not ideal, but uh, uh, but then again, who who would have ever guessed they they'd be bringing that back? I love it. Uh, a, a gazillion other. Uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, uh, Paper Cuts, which is a company I, I uh, was the editor in chief and co-owner of for almost the last twenty years. Uh, my partner Terry Nantiene and I sold it to uh, Mad Cave Studios last year. Uh, I'm still sort of uh, consulting a tiny little bit, and uh, they're doing lots of, ex you know, there's so many great books that uh, they're publishing. I hope people, uh, you know, check that out. You know, the idea of comics for all ages is, uh, to me, that's what I grew up with. You know, all comics were, were for all ages. So, and so... Thank you for your time. Two, you, we went longer than I ever thought you would, and I was never bored. And this two hour, nearly three hour conversation flew by. That's my started. average three hours, yeah. And it all started. No one could with, take any more than that. With, all with, started with toilet paper. All toilet paper will end with toilet paper. Jim, my friend, you have been a Who says comics aren't good for you? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank you for sparking an interest in me and Spider-Man all those years ago with those Spidey Super stories. Oh, you're too uh, coming. Yeah. And and Thank it's you. been a true pleasure talking to you. No, Thank it you, all, It all goes back to Stan and Steve. Thank you. And that's a wrap on that episode. I want to thank our Patreon members for supporting us each and every month. They log on to patreon.com slash crawlspace. So a big shout-out goes to Winnipeg Webhead. We've got Gene, JR, Robert, Vinkman, Adam, Annie, Austin, Brian, Craig, Cyberweasel, Frazetta Hulk, Jacob, James, Jesse, John, Josh, Kelly, Laura, Matthew, Mohammed, Noah, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, F, Scott M, Spider Mario, Will, hashtag something good for you. AJ, Anthony, Anthony L, Datboy, Donnie, Frederick, Haskimo, Ira, J, JB, Jared, John M, Mark, Milo17, Mitzi86, Nick, Patrick, Rocky, Ryan, Sailor Sega, Steven, Stewart, Symbiobro, Toby Z, and Valiant Shadow. Again, log on to patreon.com slash crawlspace for exclusive perks like crawlspace merch, early access, Discord servers, 
uh, exclusive podcasts, etc. Patreon.com slash crawlspace. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.